You are listening to the Greenland and Corecast, episode 114. They needed a win. Welcome everybody to the Greenland Corecast. I'm your host Frank Mattel, and join me today are my Steam colleagues, all ready for our illustrious career in Greenlander management. Um, with us today is Colton in accounting, of course, calculate uh, up the numbers. Eric in uh, market resources. Uh, yep. And Brandon in uh, the CEO position, and my boss. Say hi. Hi. Thank you. How we doing, boss? By the way. Numbers look good at Sorry here, so I'm good. Nice. My boss. check is good. Boss, by the way, have any news today? Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Well, let us know. All right, well, let's get into it. Are we wanna... Is that it? Is that all of us? That's pretty much it. There's no, there's the, we, are, we are the elite core here. Something feels good about this episode. Nice, right? Yeah. We got the uh, key members. Yeah, well... Let's get into the news. Um, we mentioned not too long ago that uh, WonderCon was taking place, and uh, absolutely nothing of importance happened at WonderCon regarding Green Lantern. Uh, however, Emerald City Comic Con was just this past week, and uh, nothing happened there either. So, uh, enjoy that. There's your news. Wait, what? Wait, wait, are you serious? You're blowing me, my mind. That—that's fantastic. Nothing. <laughs> the news of the week is actually an no exclusive news? by us that uh, we talked to Kyle, Tyler Kirkham, artist of uh, Green Lantern New Guardians, and Where you uh, can read at thegreenlanterncore.com, dot com, of course. And uh, did you interrupt yeah. his promo, Frankie, to promo his promo? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, no, we do here. You, I guess this is uh, on topic. I guess uh, it's not really news. We got some Green Lantern cameos in Young Justice. That it was it's good. You guys That's see that? Cool. Who <laughs> no, appeared? Uh, which episode was it? It was episode. Um, oh jeez, they're like at twenty now, right? They're like twenty three now. I believe it was like uh, it was the one with Kid Flash. No, no, it wasn't the one with Kid Flash. It was the one. What are choosing new members of the team? It's definitely the second most recent episode of Young Justice as of this recording. Good thing this show is edited on <laughs> time. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, it featured Hal Jordan and uh, John Stewart. And if you uh, go check out the video at thegreenlanterncore dot com, you'll find out uh, how they feel about Guy Gardner. <laughs> so, no. 
Yeah, no, 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 you won't. Or how's that? Um, yeah, so no news, Frank. Sorry. All right, that's uh, that's all one good boss. I'm glad. I'm glad we got that out the way. Um, but today we have a special treat. We're gonna be reviewing, of course, the uh, two issues of uh, Green Lantern that came out: Green Lantern Core and Green Lantern Core and Green Lantern New Guardians, uh, which came out in the past couple of weeks, as well as the uh, animated series, which kicked off uh, a couple of weeks ago. So uh, prepare for the uh, rising reviews that we have on this fantastic new series, and I hope it will be going on for the long haul. Uh, but to start to kick things off, we're gonna review Green Lantern Core number seven. Uh, where guy or John Stewart and Guy Gardner pretty much have to se- go separate ways for for a second, as is a John Cedric uh, issue dealing with the fact that he murdered a Green Lantern in uh, cold blood, but for proper reasons. Eric, I know you have. Uh, yeah, it is. I, I really wish we would have gone to Brandon first because we talked about this in another podcast, and Brandon didn't say anything. He said he actually really enjoyed this issue and um, called us completely wrong for thinking it was complete nonsense. But um, this issue is complete nonsense. I think uh, if you want to just get into the story of the issue, where John Stewart, um, you know, feels he has to do his penance by the Greenlander that he murdered by delivering the body to the family and then having them give him a blowjob for the entire visit saying how great he is and how thankful they are that he helped him out which is not penance by the way john stewart when you go to a family of the guy you murdered say you know you work with them side by side and they give you like free cookies for two weeks that's not the same thing as doing penance actually that's being a fucking coward and not owning up to your shit you know at least go there and say he was i mean you don't have to say he was killed but make a point to say i failed him etc etc you know which you know you don't you don't, you, you don't, you don't even have you don't even have to say that you murdered him. Just explain that you screwed up somewhere and he got Literally, like I failed, it's my fault that he died, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and then you could have had and which is you still would have had the cliche of like, you know, the the mother saying, You know what, I bet what you did you had to do and you know and then it would have been like at least it would have been kind of poignant and would have been done some pathos. But what the issue does instead is have John Stewart go and visit this this person's completely stereotypical family, including their, you know, magical handicapped son for god's sake like i mean what who 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 thought this was a good idea editorially was like you know what we need in this scene besides the fact that this is a cliche issue which actually doesn't address any of the themes it purports to bring up we need radio from the movie radio and bring him in there because that's really what's going to make this go up to the standard of quality that we've come to expect from green lantern core so far so a huge waste of time issue you know because this doesn't actually deal with the pathos or, or you know emotions of everything i anything i like there's a bit where uh, lantern says like you know someone has to Whatever police the lanterns, the implication being that, you know, I guess the last couple of murders that John Stewart has perpetrated uh, against friends and family have been, uh, and the innocent have been, because he's basically the police of the Green Lanterns and stuff like that. And that's a nice hook to kind of lay on John, but they don't really do anything with it. And like I said, this issue kind of just drags its feet, has uh, empty, empty, empty sentimentality, a lot of nonsense, and doesn't actually justify anything it uses in the story to try to play your heartstrings especially the horrible ending best brother ever like it's like come on you know it's not that you need to keep handicapped people and people who have mental retardation out of stories and stuff it's when you use them as a crutch like this you 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 know you're not only in danger of when you use them in stories at all like this you're in danger of representing a stereotype that is negative and damaging to any person who suffers from any kind of vague mental handicap and stuff like this, which of course his character is a vague mental handicap. He doesn't have like you know, he's, he's a space alien, so they can't say it's autism or like you know, uh, uh, any kind of advanced form of like you know uh, a palsy or whatever. They just say, oh, he's kind of slow. You know, it's like which is I, I, it's offensive and it's even if it wasn't offensive, even if it wasn't offensive, it's a cliche, it's stupid, and it doesn't serve the story in any way, shape, or form. You know, why not just give him a little brother, like a little boy brother, which is also a cliche, but it isn't actually hurting anybody's feelings, you know? <laughs> it isn't just dragging the word retard through the mud again, you know? Um, 
And there's one more thing I want to say about the story. The deal was an issue I had with the series uh, significantly where the Guardians actually confront Guy Gardner about his murdering of two um, prisoners. Um, and they completely bypass any counter-argument. And this is, what, this is kind of what, what's classically called a straw man argument, you know, where Peter Tomasi, I guess, felt like there was going to be criticism about it or he wanted to kind of justify this action and justify it again later in the future by having characters question Guy Gardner so Guy Gardner can explain his perspective without the Guardians explaining their perspective as in, you know, hey, we have a responsibility as people who have set ourselves up as the peacekeepers of the galaxy to kind of respect the fact that we need to kind of follow our own rules and we can't just lock people up in jail to murder them willy-nilly regardless of our reasoning, you know, and the Guy Garner defense where it's like the old defense like wouldn't you torture someone if you knew a bomb was going to blow up L.A. in 30 seconds and stuff like that. The whole defense of like the end justifies the mean in extreme circumstances doesn't work because this wasn't an extreme circumstance. It was like an extrapolated plan that you know we don't know if there's any other options. We don't know if there's anything else going on. We don't know if this is the only way to solve the problem they, and Guy Garner's reasoning. They didn't really try to find any other option. They just said, hey, let's blow these guys up and work. A Guy Garner's reasoning is that, you know, well, I only murdered these two guys. So but you, it's not that you just murdered. Those two guys, you and you're like, but I didn't kill anybody that was actually on the planet that we were trying to fight. So your argument is that you murdered two prisoners as opposed to you know, prisoners of war as opposed to whatever. And why do they even have Sinestro Corps prisoners? You know, they're supposed to be in a truce with the Sinestro Corps. They just have them as prisoners. And, so, and you know, I know that obviously Sinestro has annihilated most of the, the Sinestro Corps, and we don't actually know if when this takes place relating to that, presumably after it, because it's months and months ago that this happened. But wouldn't there be some kind of stopgap where the Guardians are like, we're in a truce with those guys. We can't murder – even if we're we wanted to murder them, we can't okay, murder them. Okay, what does that have to do with prisoners? Like if if you're in a truce with somebody, you're just going to say, all right, we're going to release you of all your crimes. No, you're no, still no, no, under no. our – But when you're in a truce, you're not going to just use them as like living human suicide no. bombers. The, the way it works with you, when you're when two warring nations are in a truce with each other and they have documented prisoners, mm-hmm. which the Green Lanterns do, they, they would either – those prisoners would become a negotiation. Either the Green Lan- the National Corps would say, all right, you can have those two guys to do whatever you want with. But because the Green Lantern Corps, especially the modern universe, since Jeff John has taken over, has no through line for what they do in the science cells. This isn't a peace days. treaty. This is a truce. Not- this is a we will not engage you in active conflict kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, a- exactly. Yeah, a ceasefire. <laughs> exactly. And they, and they got fired and ceased to live. If it's a ceasefire, oh, I'm not. I'm not justifying the act of killing them. I'm just saying that there's no reason you, we should bring not, up the prisoners being, you know, released in custody or something. That's what a treaty is. It's not. It's not necessarily like we're never going to fight again. A treaty means we've put a halt to the fighting. You know, there's no such thing as a peace treaty that says, you know, this country is never going to fight this country again. The peace treaty says this conflict is over. We're in a truce for now, which means whatever military conflict we're having is done. If they have an official treaty with the Sinestro Corps, which they kept insisting that they did, they would probably have to tell the Sinestro Corps, we have a couple of your guys. The Sinestro Corps' decision at that point would be like, okay, either hang on to them or we want them back, and that would be a part of negotiation. Because this comic has no interest in developing a world, like no world-building skills whatsoever, and if anybody's worked on Green Lantern in the past like 10 years... the moment truce, though. It's not as if the Guardian sat down with Sinestro. Hasn't been because there's been in in um, Tony Bedard's run. It was a very big part of the run. The fact that Kyle Rayner was there with these guys. The fact that Sinestro and Kyle had to turn off the rings to fight and stuff like that. It's a very specific. It's not just like the Guardian says, "All right, back off." It was the Guardian saying, "We have an active truce with them. You cannot attack them. You cannot kill them, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. And that's been the way it is. So, I mean, to ignore that is kind of ignoring the stories and stuff. And if I'm going to ignore the stories, and why even say there's a truce in the first place? Well, you know? it's the first so time. Take, uh, well, I'm going to say this. It's the first time Tomasi ever even acknowledged the truth in his run. I mean, to be I honest, they, they don't say it in the issue. They completely bypass in the issue. The right. truth has been ignored, except you know, 
I think I think they mentioned it in the I feel like they mentioned it in the Jeff Johnson Nestor story. I think offhandedly houses. But again, that's the Jeff guys. that's the Jeff Johnson Nestor story. And again, Bedard did that for uh for his running in core, but but Tomasi yeah. never even brought it up. I mean, again, it's one of those things that it hasn't there has not been a groundbreaking moment with this truce or consistency with this truce at all. I mean, this thing was offhandedly mentioned at the end of uh, you know at the end of uh, uh Blackest Night. And and yeah. never again was it ever like it's, it has no real significance never, at all. It was it was never delineated, but it's been brought up every time a Sinestro Corps member has shown up in all the titles. It's been brought up except for Tomasi because he wasn't dealing with the Sinestro Corps until now. I mean, we didn't see any Sinestro Corps in Tomasi's title until now because after the the Green Lantern Corps, after the whole thing when they had the truce in Blackest Night, basically they went right into War of the Green Lanterns, and since then Tomasi's been doing Guy Gardner versus whoever stories you know i mean he hasn't been fighting sinister core members so unless i'm mistaken i don't think there's any been any conflict with the yellow guys in his book at all but we've seen it consistently of jeff john's book it's been the, the fulcrum of stories i mean jeff johns hasn't really touched them as much as everybody else because he doesn't really worry about that kind of stuff but tony bedard has definitely written stories all about it. i mean it's active i'm just saying like we know there's a truce and you're correct in saying like because the the sides of the truce are not delineated we can't assume that they would have had to tell the sinister court that they had prisoners or that the sinister court would know that they had prisoners etc cetera, etc cetera, etc cetera. but it's kind or of an oversight or that they would care that they're dead yeah exactly so it's kind of an oversight in the, in the stories telling that the guardians say there's a problem with you murdering these prisoners and then guy gardner basically just restates all the issues all the reasons why he would do it in the first place which you don't need to restate cuz we know why you did it but that doesn't justify doing it you know it's kind of like uh, I shot this kid because he was coming in my face. It's like, all right, but that doesn't—that's not it. Like, that's not the story. Doesn't end there. We have to talk to you. Why? Why would the guardians even have a problem with it? If that's the explanation. They knew he kidnapped. I mean, they knew he was doing it to to to, to prevent further bloodshed. They knew that these two guys were murderers. So, what? Are the, why even bring it up? The fact that Gargan has to explain to them the facts of the situation—that's—it's a straw man argument. The the guardians never make a point to try to discuss what the problem with it is. They don't say like, yeah, but there are prisoners. Yeah, but we have principles. Yeah, but. You can't do that to prisoners. It's, yeah, but we're in a treaty with these guys. There's a million reasons why they shouldn't have done it, and the Guardians don't even bring it up. They're like, hmm, very clever. Goodbye. <laughs> no, you're fired. Yes. No, we're going to give you this Nestor Court because, you know what, if you're so fucking proud of yourself and you think you're so awesome and, like, this was worth it, then you turn yourself over to the Nestor Court because we cannot afford full-scale war with them right now. Or <laughs> Turn yourself over to the Nestor Court? Why not? Because that's the way – why not? I mean, it's, 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 co- it's comic space. They wouldn't opera, even so. know. Who the fuck would know? Are they going to go through the? Well, there would there would be there'd be two, there'd be two there'd be there'd be two rings flying around with the, from those sectors that kind of be suspicious. <laughs> and you know the rings probably record some level of detail about who killed them. And even if they weren't, they should. And even if they weren't, if they have a truce with the Green Lantern with the, the Green Lanterns and the Guardians, they shouldn't. They, they, presumably, they oh, either have of, full disclosure, or okay. they have full disclosure, or you know they're like. Um, Responsible, let's which means full disclosure, which means that the Green Lanterns say, "All right, we still have two of you guys prisoners. What do you want to do with them?" Or you know that you, you can make the argument, "Well, the Sinister Corps is so disorganized that they don't even know that they lost two guys." You know, but like, yeah, but there's still the rings, you know, <laughs> and like, and it, if if they're so disorganized, then why abide to a tr- truce at all? You know, which they technically had not been, but you know, that's that's here nor there. You know, I mean, okay. the argument is that so it's it's the, the the it's like it's one of those things where it's like because we have arguments about this a lot in the cast and different casts and i say this story represents something ugly and terrible and everybody's like no no the story the characters you can't i was like but they're fictional characters doing fictional things the only reason this scene exists is for tomasi to justify what he did and he doesn't justify it he just restates it you know to justify i, it, I, I, I disagree i disagree well bring up your point because uh i, I want to hear your point yeah. on this issue um 
it's a lot to go through because now at first I thought it was, we were just going to disagree on the John thing and now we're disagreeing on everything. So this is good. Um, yeah, I, I just don't see how you can say it's specifically just for Tomasi's justification of the last issue. I think this issue proves that Tomasi is, while not, you know, sitting down like Grant Morrison thinking six months ahead, he's thinking, you know, at least to the very next issue where, like, last month we had this exact same problem. We said uh, John Stewart's not going to feel the repercussions of cracking somebody's head open. And yet here we are with John Stewart dealing with his issues. And we well, know we said, and we know from, I don't think we ever said that wouldn't be. We actually thought the whole next storyline was going to be about this. So I don't think we ever said we didn't think it was I just but, but to be honest, he really got off light thus far, all things considered. Well that's yeah, exactly thus far. Right. And I think you'd be a fool to assume that this is the end of Guy Gardner versus the Guardians and, and the aftermath of killing two uh Sinestro War prisoners. Um it just doesn't make sense for me to believe something like that when we have an entire issue of John dealing with uh, snapping a guy's neck, and that's one of their own, you know. So if the truth means anything, and I mean anything, then we'll see that. And like, why wouldn't they put two people on on trial? You know, it's, it's for for them to be setting up the Guardians as this uh, growing evil. It wouldn't make sense for them to just let guys slide and persecute John. I, I'm just quite frankly shocked that they that they that they kicked out the only two people who actually had morals among the human Green Lanterns and kept the two murderers. Well, yeah, I can't they, let that go. There's definitely a certain logic. There's definitely a certain logic to saying, okay, the Guardians are evil, so this kind of action would be forgiven by them. Unilaterally, they'd say, you know what? At this point, we are total ends justifies the means, dudes, and that's why we're okay with it. But there's nothing in the tone of this scene that implies that because. This kind of thing has happened before. I mean, Guy Gardner's gone off on his own before and done all kinds of horrendous shit, and Lanterns have been wash- uh, the Guardians have been washing their hands of it. But specifically, there's like three word balloons in this scene where the Guardian explicitly states, hey, you kidnapped two prisoners, and you murdered them for a mission object- objective. And then Guy Gardner just talks for two pages, and the only one thing that the Guardians say in defense is, we know about your Earth, and then he interrupts them again. And then they're like, hmm, and justifies the mean, I understand. Which means it's like, Yes, exactly, but then what's the argument? Because the only thing that happens here is Guy Gardner is given two pages to explain to the audience why it's okay to murder two prisoners of war in a situation like this. And who's to say we're not going to get 18 pages next month saying, Guy Gardner, thanks for your argument, this is what we say. Because he flew away at the end of the thing. I don't think there's any implication that this is... (laughs) They're going to call him back? No, no, no. See, here's here's the thing also. Here's the thing. No, no, hold on, hold on. That's the end of this issue. But Brandon does have a point, mainly for the same fact that the Guardians are still planning to, you know, uh, uh, disband the Green Lantern Corps and and restart a new corps or a new new entity, a new police force entirely. And, you know, these are are just building blocks to, like, you know, get them on on their way. yeah, Yeah, exactly. So why bring it up? Well, then why would the Guardians bring it up at all? Well... To see to see the to well, judge whether or not hearing. Yeah. I, I I mean, don't think there's I don't think there's anything to indicate in this issue. We don't even see John Stewart get you know back talk for killing the lantern in this issue, and we know he's going to do with an actual fucking trial. So yeah. if they took the time to no, bother, no, no, the thing is, we don't know if John's actually going to deal with a trial because he never reported that he killed. Well, no, they say the next story in the land is called trial, trial of whatever, and it's supposed yeah. to be green. It's supposed to be John Stewart. We know the next story is about John Stewart going on trial. We all assume it's about this murder, which means that we know for a fact that the next several issues are going to be about John Stewart going on trial. But we know we also know, we don't have any implication whatsoever that. 
this guy Gardner thread is going to continue. We know that the, the way this, the actual two pages plays out is that Guy Gardner makes a thought-out point that he explains thoroughly, and then he leaves having won the argument. That's what happens on the two pages. To assume that you're, you're assuming he won the air quotes where, won where, the argument. Yeah, but where you know? where is where are, you, where are you getting any indication that this is going to continue later? Just this because this issue is my argument. This is my Don indication Stewart. that it's not over. But there's no guilt here. Like this issue is about guilt. Guy Gardner no, doesn't. No, have no, no. I'm not. I'm not talking about the contents of this issue. I'm just saying the fact that Tomasi just took the time out to deal with the aftermath of of mostly one single incident is telling me that he may. I'm not saying he will, but he might take the time to deliver us another 18 to 20 pages about Guy Gardner and his shit. I can. I can just. I can guarantee you. I can guarantee 100 percent. I if feel this like is, you said this the is, same thing last month. About I, what did I say? Last month I said that I, last month I said that this issue is. I, I bet you this is never going to be brought up, and if it is brought up, it's going to get swept under the rug really quickly. And it has been, you know. And I bet you, I can guarantee you a hundred dollars that if this is ever brought up again, it will never be brought up in the context of like God Gardner, you're a murderer, you're not allowed to be Green Lantern anymore. It's never. It's it might be brought up again in the context of like. I've done this before. It might – maybe if another writer comes along and uses it, he's going to be like Guy Gardner. You have a history of insubordination, murder of prisoners and stuff like that. But I can guarantee you 100 percent this is the last we're probably going to hear of in any, in any legitimate way. I mean maybe it will be brought up during the next storyline because the next storyline is all about a Green Lantern going on trial. But it's not going to become a plot point. This is him winning the argument and flying away. And winning and if, it isn't, if, it isn't, if it isn't, why weren't we given any – why wasn't anybody saying anything back to him? Why are we only? No, it's, it's it's flawed. It's definitely a flawed I, I, scene. I, I, I just I, think I, it's- I, I just like to imagine that the guardians are like, you really shouldn't do this guy, and then just unsubtly wink and they give him the thumbs up as they walk away. <laughs> well, don't they? They smirk at the end when they're like, yeah, yeah. They don't. They don't smirk. But he smirks. Yeah. Of well, course, he smirks. He's Guy Gardner. All right. <laughs> all right. So pretty much we. Uh, we went through the issue. Pretty much. Uh, by by. So, uh, Carl, do you have any last last bits of it? Um. Thoughts on the issue? Real, really, the whole issue with this whole thing comes down to the fact that if the Guardians are going to be evil, evil smug bastards and let them walk on this, that's one thing. But they're trying to go on this like noble crusade about it, but they're not really pushing it as far as they should. I mean, these Earth Lanterns, the people who are supposed to be heroes, just went around murdering people without any real good reason. Even John's reasoning wasn't the best of reasonings. If he could have just broke out and freed himself, you know. But we've been on that issue. But the whole thing is, they really should have put the, the hammer down more if they're going to try to morally justify this. Um, before we move on, uh, Eric said at the beginning of this that I immensely enjoyed this issue. I didn't. I thought it was very average. Uh, the art was not very good in a lot of places. John looked 18 years old in some instances. Um, I did want to mention that I didn't see anything about the boy being um, handicapped until they mentioned – no, until they specifically mentioned that he's slow or whatever. And I was like, oh, really? Because I, I just figured he was a happy-go-lucky kind of guy who was very sad about his brother dying. And he's then a big stu- – well, I mean I think – I mean I, I saw <laughs> it from the first – when he first running up, I was like I thought he was a kid. I was like this yeah, is an yeah. oddly drawn little kid. But yeah. he's not. I just think like he's an old drawn little kid. But as he's running up, you're like, wow, he's the same size as his parents. Oh, my God. God. He's fucking radio. Like, <laughs> I just assumed hit. he was an over-emotional, uh, over emotional, uh, low-intelligence kind of guy. Which is what he is. Low-intelligence by not low-intelligence, but he has a mental handicap. That's and not the I same think- thing. I just assumed he like skipped school and was a dumbass. As far as the, the John Stewart getting um, penance or whatever, it was 
for me, it wasn't necessarily that he went there looking to, you know, depress himself by owning up to what he did. It was more so as that, all right, I'm here, I'm doing the thing that I should be doing. And though I'm leaving out this major detail, that's not going to bring me any more, um, you know, I'm not going to save myself by telling them. I'm only going to do them more harm. If they ask, I'll gladly tell. But as of right now, it's not going to do anybody any favors to explain the brutal death of their child. Well, they do ask. They do ask specifically, and he does lie to them. She says, well, how did he die? And he's like, well, he, he, uh, uh, he was about to tell her, and then she looks dead, and he's like, uh, he, did, he, had to do, he had to fight a bad guy. He was really brave, and he died. Well, to be fair, the other alternative was, was to say that, admit that, he, that he broke, he was about to betray his troops, and then I murdered him. That's not think, the yeah, astounding I think, response. He he, I think he could have said that he was in the bad guy. Said it, he Absolutely. He could have lied said around it, but, but, but he, he, compl- he could have lied that. around it to imply guilt to himself and to imply heroism in his part. But all he does is say he was really brave. I wasn't even there. He was really, I was there. He was brave. I'm not at all guilty about this. It just it seems like he, if, he never said that. And you and we know that being in the past 50 years that we know that John Stewart's the kind of guy that would take guilt all on his shoulders. So there's no reason to assume that hey, there's a demonstrate in the story. I think there was enough here to say that John Stewart made the right call. He didn't upset this family to the point where they they needed to kick him off the planet. He, I don't think he necessarily went there to you know save himself or get over the fact that he had to kill or let me not say had because he didn't get over the fact that he killed a, a fellow core member. And I just think the book feels like a stronger book, a stronger issue because. He didn't do that, you know. He didn't sink down into another depression. We saw when after he killed Mogo, he was all super sad. But like again, then you were justified. Like there's backlash there, and I think now we'll deal with uh, the reaction of this uh, within the core. I think it once again provides a, a opportunity for a lot of different lanterns to speak up and actually. You know, dive into Green Lantern politics, whereas uh, you're implying that John Stewart needs to be, you know, stoned to death because he lied. Right. Well, I, I do want to say really quick. I'm not saying that he should have, in terms of for him and for the family. I, I repeatedly said, like, I think when he goes there, what ends up happening is he goes there to this family, celebrates this guy's life, and then they're really grateful to him because. What, and what essentially happened was, so he's now he's doing two things wrong here. He's He's obviously not telling the family the, the story of the guy, which, again, is justifiable in terms of why do they need to know that. It was a terrible situation. It was unfortunate what happened to him, but he was a brave guy, and it was a really terrible situation. And it was a brave thing to do just because he cracked doesn't mean he's not a brave guy. So why break that to him? Fine. I'm not saying you should have told him that. I'm saying by kind of leaving out the fact that he was having to do with it and just going there with the family, essentially all you're doing is going to the funeral of the guy and having sex with his wife. Like you're not actually <laughs> that's so true. You're not actually you're not actually taking any blame for it. I, I happen to think I think the Mogo story specifically what happened was after the Mogo story, John Stewart had no guilt. Like he had a tiny bit of guilt, but people came up to him and was like, don't you feel bad? He's like, I don't feel bad. I had to do it. I don't have any problem doing it. So this being like John killing this guy again, while all of us can kind of roll our eyes and be like, oh, they told the story like seven times with this guy. But it should be the culmination of stuff. I happen to think it might have I been more dramatic. I think that's the trial is. The trial I is think, the culmination. How many people has he murdered? No, I think – I happen to think 
planning. Um, I happen to think the dramatic <laughs> culmination of this issue might have been better if he broke down and told them that he was the one who killed him. They got pissed, shunned him, and that's how the Green Lanterns found out how, what, what happened. You know, like, why not have the issue end on a, on a depressing note? Why not have the issue end on an actual dramatic note that shows that John isn't a fucking scumbag who's taking advantage of these people's sentimentality to give him a back rub? You know, the issue ending with, like, Handicapped brother writing a cute phrase on the, the stone is is degrading and dismissive of the the dr- drama involved, you know. Because essentially, what Peter Tomasi is doing is he has an or, issue where two things are happening. In the issue: we have a guy justifying murder of prisoners in the time of war, and then we have another guy justifying justifying illegal actions against fellow soldiers because it makes people feel better. So he has two. Extremely, extremely, extremely fascist things happening here, regardless of the fact that we think, okay, it's better to lie to the family. Yeah, okay, and it's better not to say that so I don't get stoned to death, and okay, that's fine. But we have two distinct political arguments happening in this issue, and the book doesn't give you ambiguity. The book takes that side. The book takes the side of it's better to do what you have to do and lie about it later. I know that we have a lot to cover, so I'm going to make this quick. Um, I do think that was a very interesting idea to have the family shun him, and that's how the core finds out. That's a genius idea. Um, I think, but the fact that they don't know, I think this issue, this ending, may lead to John going back and filling out the report as he should, and you know, and get himself into trouble by telling the truth, and that'll make this issue even more powerful. Yeah, well, overcome your fear, John. Jesus. Yeah. Like, well, we'll, <laughs> we'll find out to the next issue. Uh, we'll move on to Greenland and uh, New Guardians number seven with uh, Invictus uh, learning his, his, uh, his great, tremendous origin that he was a angel of some sort of galactic cosmic way who was defeated by Larfleas, who, again, his power levels have went right back up to Guardian level, where he was able to smite whatever the hell <laughs> came like, his way. Uh, yes. <laughs> beyond, beyond Guardian level, he was murdering angels. Yeah. The funny thing about, about these uh, these angels or whatever they are, they sort of remind me, if, uh, if anybody remembered um, Grant Morris's JLA, those, uh, those angels that came out yes. of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, the big giant angels. Yeah. And stuff, yeah. yeah those, those guys, they, they straight up remind me of these guys, except for the, they're like the bull host or the, or the hawk host or whatever. They didn't have any, uh, you know, distinguishing features except for their dudes. Which is, it's kind of funny because Tony Badar edited that series. It's, maybe he's doing a direct reference to it, yeah. I mean, yeah. except that, you know, it was different because they were, it was supposed to be, they actually did serve the Judeo Christian God and stuff like that, who is a character in the DC universe. So, but who knows? Maybe, why not? Why not? Yeah. Yeah, we get we get more of uh you know this you know, ragtag ragtag team of uh of new guardians like getting together to uh you know fight their foe and like learning to work together and whatnot. Uh, even uh, even Arkillo goes along his way to profess his love to Saint Walker, you know, almost. Well, almost at home. Start with a friendship and then work your way into a relationship. Uh, I'm saying him and uh him and our atrocities are gonna have a have a brawl later. That's all I'm saying. Uh, no, it's yeah, it's definitely. <laughs> I think we joked about it a couple for the last couple of weeks, but definitely like it's one of those things where once you start joking about it, you're joking about it. But it's like, all right, you're gay. Like that's gay. I mean, that's cool. He should be gay. He should I, be gay. I'm not saying. I'm not saying he's not. Yeah, I think making our killer gay would be amazing. I mean, it ended up being like you know the Spartacus show on Stars, where like you know it's good because the show is produced by like people of different you know. Uh, sexual ideas, so they end up mm-hmm. throwing a lot of gay storylines in there and stuff like that. But they always like try to do like, oh, who's the biggest badass, most scary guy? He's gay as fuck, you know. And that's awesome. And it's kind of like that would be the exact same thing being done here. And I love that show, so why not throw that in there? You know, like I would love to see that. 
the scariest vagina faced motherfucker in the world and he's like, Oh, I love I love man's so much and so and it's just it's cool to think about like now all of the evil Green Lanterns are totally crushing on Saint Walker because we know Atrocitus is supposed to marry him in the future and stuff, you know. So it's like there's Oh t- just wait, Larfleece is next. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of like I think that's cool. Whatever. I mean, I, if if it isn't, you know, and it's funny. If it isn't uh, homosexual love, I think it's cheesy. To just show up and be like, he's my <laughs> my my friend. Like that's so horrible. It's so. He could just be a heterosexual life mate. I mean, Arkillo's not like a big idiot. I mean, like he was on this planet. He just like eat people and stuff like that. But Arkillo is also the guy who ran slave factory. Yeah, he was. He was second in command yeah. to uh, no, Sinestra. Yeah. You guys are underestimating the power of Saint Walker. I think. I don't think it. I think. It, he is St. Walker's friend. He's yeah. gay. He's just gay for Sinestro. And I think because um, of what St. Walker did with Arkillo, that sounds really bad. But because of what he did something with his tongue. It's okay. <laughs> what he did with Arkillo, um, that he thing kind of get- – he puts the tongue back and fix it. He's like, we're going to use it. I'm saving this guy for later. Like, oh, yeah. It's you a very what? personal thing, and I think that – you know, it may not be true friendship, but you know, it's a very it's intimate. You know, what what when you dive into a person's soul like Saint Walker has been doing in this uh series, it's very personal. You find out about Evictus's family and his brothers or sort and you find out about Archillo's pain and his love for Sinestro. And I think if you don't stand up for Saint Walker when he goes down, knowing that this type of relationship doesn't come around often, then who are you as a person? Are you really just this murderous being? And I think the fact that he did, it's not cheesy. It's just, hey, it's just a guy finding a new friend. There's yeah, something more to him than just a murderous monster. Yeah, right. I, I, I want to say I don't really mind him saving um, Walker's life. It's like the whole issue kind of like um, I want to say it writes itself but in sort of a negative way. You know, like Tony Bedard is like I have a theory about what this issue is and then he kind of starts wrapping all the characters into that theory and stuff. And so there's a certain amount of whatever to that and I don't mind him saving St. Walker. I just – the actual scene itself is like he's my – my – my and then Kyle's like, I think he was gonna say friends. You know, like that's that's <laughs> horrible. That's that's cheesy. Like you can do something that's cheesy. Like it, it is cheesy for a killer to be like, I gotta pretend to him because he looked into my soul. That's just to describe. I don't understand how it doesn't sound cheesy. To you, but that's okay that it's cheesy. I don't mind that it's cheesy. But there's a way to present it where I don't have to roll my eyes. You know, like and the only way I can accept this gay relationship, which is fine. I wish they were gay. I also want to say there's a point where Kyle says like, look at this. A red lantern comes to defend us, which she didn't, and Arkillo defends this blue guy who he hates. That mean we all should hate it. I'm like, actually, you just need the only two antagonistic uh, guys in the group. Like, I mean, yeah, the purple guys are kind of dicks, and the everybody else is pretty mellow. You know? Yeah, the pink guys used to be you. One pink guy used to be a murderer, but we've kind of swept it under the rug, you know. And and the purple guys are dicks, but we're all kind of on the same team, except for the red guy and the blue yellow guy. <laughs> and the red guys are still kind of on our team. They're just like the Punisher to our Spider Mans, you know. So it's weird for me to be like, we all should be fighting. I'm like, actually, you shouldn't be fighting at all. <laughs> it's like everybody's getting along, and you should be. But whatever. I mean, I appreciate that the issue. I appreciate that this is the first time I've ever seen something like this happen, where a character stops a fight and says, "What are you doing? Wait, <laughs> your perspective is stupid, and I, you don't need to do this. We need to calm down. Like, why are we fighting? This is dumb. You're not even paying attention to us, you know? Like, and that that's cool. Um, except like, that stop it's trying like, to kill me. <laughs> he's like, I'll blow you up because for some reason he's like, but that doesn't make any sense, you know? It's like. It's like essentially like Kyle Rayner. It's like the not, not Kyle Rayner is like one of those level-headed guys that enters into a message board and doesn't care about all the trolls. You know, every time someone trolls him, he just responds to them calmly. You know, and that's what's happening here. Kyle Rayner is like combating these trolls, and it doesn't work out. I think 
it's cool to see Kyle Rayner be so level-headed. I just want to—I don't like—I want to say about the art really quick. Hate the art of the issue. Don't don't really? like it. Um, especially the inconsistencies. What what the fuck is happening to Invictus during the fight? All of a sudden, these black and yellow dots, and it's like I understand maybe it's supposed to be taking shape as stuff is happening. Not cool. Um, and random stuff like Kyle just has a suit of armor, and then it's gone in the next panel, and stuff like that. It's just and Kyle's hair length and mask size and face you know, chin changes panel by panel by panel and stuff. So whatever. But I do want to say that I like that. That happened. I like that. You know, Tony Bedard's like, no, that's who Kyle is. Kyle's really sensitive, and he can talk you into it, and he understands the better part of valor. Yada yada yada. Except, like, kind of, Kyle was also sort of a badass, and Tony Bedard's made a real point to be like, he he sucks at fighting, but he likes to talk and stuff like that. It's like it's not really fair. And honestly, this is issue seven. I think this team needed a win. I think they needed a, a physical <laughs> win because they've had a lot of fights with each other, with Larflees, with the Guardians with some random dudes, with Invictus. They needed a win. You know, in this issue, Kyle tries to talk him out of the whole issue. It works. And then the last page, Invictus is like, no, kill our fleas. And Kyle's like, oh, no. Like, Kyle was like a like, Scooby-Doo. Oh, scared. no. Yeah. Like, wow. It's like a cartoon dog that's scared at the end and stuff. And so I wish that would have happened. But, I mean, not a bad issue. Kind of like overtold. I don't like the whole Larflees being brought back to the huge power levels because i used to mock that he wasn't so it seems condescending for me to be like oh but now they are so i hate it but it's kind of like he's a silly character he's silly he's a silly silly character like you know like well whenever so he, whenever he's written man. by jeff johns he's a silly character he's mostly written by jeff johns though he's a silly character like, yes. this is this is like maybe the second or third time someone who's not jeff johns has written him and stuff like that. Oh, oh, oh what's wrong with someone who's silly just happens to have like world destroying powers it's it's silly because it's silly because i don't mind that he has world destroying powers it's just he's a silly character and the fact that he actually turned out to be the main antagonist in this series, I'm like, are you fucking serious? Plus, I know that there's no way they're going to take him out with any kind of finality because he's like – he's a pet creation for Jeff Johns, and he's one of these like mascot new characters and stuff. So what you're – I don't know. It's one of those things that's frustrating for me because what you're essentially saying is all, all the characters in this title aren't, aren't as important as largely. They're in the state of, uh, so I'm like, ugh. So. Hold on. I like the – all right. They're trying um, to build the group together bit by bit. They're coming together. It's 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 really a nice chance to finally uh, see that happen a little bit more. And they are changing for the better. You've, you've got Blaze finally. She's got some intelligence. You've got uh, Acrylis starting to warm up to the group a little. It's just really, you know, it's nice to see that happen, I think. Okay. Uh, Brandon, what's what's your uh, what's your take on this issue? Oh, I really enjoyed it. Um, unlike Eric, I thought the Invictus uh, scenes where he was going from very yellow and bright to uh, a more angry black and yellow was uh, very good. I thought the coloring in this issue was very great. Um, very great. That sounds weird. Um, there was one pa- page where Blee strikes, and it's not clear if she's hitting anyone because everybody's standing still perfectly fine. You're talking about her entrance? Pro- her yeah, entrance her entrance, she eyes down, there's rocks flying, and then the next thing we know, everybody's surrounded in flames, but, you know, we don't get to see any of that. It's just weird. Um, no, but for the most part, I liked it. Eric said it uh, be- better already that uh, I liked the fact that Kyle was able to get in there and, you know, explain why. You know, like, after hearing... I don't like the fact that we're just not getting Invictus's uh, story, but hey, look, it's here. We know it now. Now let me tell you why this doesn't make sense. That's good. I, I mean, nobody else on this, uh, in this group of, ca- uh, I don't want to say New Guardians because that's not what they are. In this group of uh, aliens, are you know, <laughs> are going to be able to 
do that. You know, fatalities. She's calm. She understands the situation, but she wouldn't be able to talk him down. Arkillo's definitely not the one to do that. And though Saint Walker uh, has the right goals in mind, all he does is put a ring in your face and you know gets Hope for the best. Yeah, hopefully this will work. You know, he um, doesn't have the drive to force it down. <laughs> Is that a sexual reference? Cole? Apparently, no. no. The, the <laughs> point is, the point is, the point is, Kyle is what he is. He's the Green Lantern. He's the middle of this whole thing. He's, yeah. he's got, he's, he's got, he's got the will and the, he's got the will and everything. He just stands in the middle. He takes everything rationally. He doesn't just go nuts with his emotions like everyone else. I mean, if we still want to go with that whole emotional, emotional spectrum thing, yeah, that's right. Oh, that's the mind. entire book is <laughs> emotional spectrum. Uh, there was there was one scene I wanted to talk about where uh, well, go ahead. I think. Eric alluded to it earlier with the uh, Kyle and his weird armor construct thing. Though I always love seeing Kyle dress up. That's awesome. Um, it's just the the timing on that issue on that page is just weird. Arkillo gets punched in the face in one panel, and Fatality is like inching towards Invictus panel by panel. It's just really weird that she wouldn't just stab him while he has his arms flailing in the air. He's got a whole so speech. fast. I, I guess that's what it is. Even he's though he's, he, uh, even though he's saying whatever your color, whatever you represent, you are all the same to me. You are all monsters. In that long ass speech, he <laughs> one punched Arkillo, grabbed this, grabbed that little trident, and pulled his fist back just to get hit by Saint Walker and and uh, Monk in the next panel. She's got to be the slowest person in the world. Yeah. I, oh, he has she, a she's deliberate. I didn't even notice that. He has a ponytail. Yes, he does. He does have a ponytail. That's awesome. All angels have ponytails. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I was going to actually uh, mention this. Um, again, one, one thing off the back I'm going to say, Tyler Kirkman, his artwork is all over the place. I mean, it's, it's one of the things. He, he's, never, he's never really consistent with what, what he does. He's quick. He's a quick, he's a quick artist. He's, uh, he's good. And again, uh, again, you can uh, look at our interview at our... Uh, at our um, text interview with Tyler Kerman at the Green Lantern, uh, Green Lantern Corps dot com, um, but the 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 issue itself is weird. I mean, uh, it's 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 this whole weird mystery thing that they're, they're throwing around because you know it's, it's it's not really much of a mystery, not not at all. I mean, not for the reader anyway, because you know uh, from from point one, you're you're pretty much already have an understanding as to what's going on. I mean, it's not really cleverly hidden in between words. It's not really, you know, like, you know, this and that. Just because, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of, uh, rings are magically wished to Kyle Rayner and then a team is formed together and then Larfleet shows up and then they're, uh, they're asked to defeat a, uh, you know, this giant, you know, the Ore and an angel shows up. You're all like, okay, what does any of this have to do with one another? And of course, Larfleet is the, you know, the key to all this. And of course, more than likely isn't Larfleet, more than likely it's, yeah. it's Sade because, you know, she, really? no one, no one has done shit with her in years. That's, I mean, that's, that's interesting. That's the one thing I'm, I'm, I'm more than, more than willing to bet money on that all this falls on Sade. I like that idea. Well, the, the Guardians do have some, some severe level of control over the ring, so Is she it, probably did something. Yeah, more, again, more than likely. Uh, especially, especially Glamin is having his own, you know, his own ability to, like, you know, be rational by himself about Larflees. It's, it's, it's one of these, it's one of these weird, uh, you know, Weird small moments where I'm, I believe that Sade is the cause for most of all this, just because again, no one has done anything with her in in ever since she was taken away in in like the beginning of freaking Blackest Night. Yeah, between knowing that Larflees is obviously only going to be fleshed out in Jeff Johns' hands, exactly. between knowing that and 
uh, knowing that they have to go back and fight Larflees. I think you, you may be like right on the fucking money with that. Uh, Sade is the log- it's the only logical choice left now that Invictus is not the uh, ringmaster. So uh, yeah, aside from that, the yeah the the whole the whole Invictus being you know this this angelic being of its of the last of its kind. You know, having to having to have a gigantic fight with all these, uh, you know, all these members of you know the Rainbow Coalition, and you know defeating, you know, cinematically defeating all of them, is you know it's point of storytelling. I mean, that's exactly why the reason I believe that you know uh, the story went the way it did when Kyle had to be the logical and go like, oh yeah, no, no, stop, stop, this this is going nowhere, quick, this is going nowhere quick, because even if we do like three more issues of us kicking your ass, it's not gonna, you know, it's not gonna get us to the point where we need to be. And um, yeah, that's what this issue was. This issue was a stopgap to like you know stop the fighting, to go to the next, to, you know, to, to pretty much wrap up the story because it, you know he doesn't have any more issues left. You know he's gonna go into the next issue. He's gonna go continue going into you know okay, we you know I want I have this much of a frame to do a story, and I don't have that I don't have you know that many issues left to spare with me having you know, a giant fight with an angelic you know angelic dude here with uh with armor from world of warcraft uh, it's 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 gonna be you know a jump to the next to the next uh, logical conclusion which is to bring back larpley to bring back Sade and go you know go its route but the thing is with all that's happening here the one real problem is that you could have had a better story you could have had a story that was more you know put together and wrapped in mystery than what this is i mean i mean heck Jeff Johns does that in many ways, and that's the problem. Like he, you know, in his level in giant event books that he does, you know, that span across like you know six or seven titles, you know, and all leading the conclusion that ends in, pos- in possibly like eight to seven books, he does well enough to like you know to you know start a mystery, leave clues, and then get back to them later on when he wraps them up at the end. If he gets back to them. You know, he he's so able. He's clues about who's manipulating the rings. Not even that, but you know, this whole and uh, this it's an angel warlord of an ore of this ore could have been more than just a beat him up character. Okay, okay. He could he he's this this he is in all importance like Omega level class. You know, bad guy. If I'm, if I'm in the in the uh, the beginning little flashback origin sequences when he's fighting Larflees, he's able to create you know dimensional vortexes and throw people into like you know into wormholes. He's he has the ability to be you know dark side. He he created an entire solar system artificially recreating Vega. Yes, he is in the league of dark side. Yet he's you know he comes out and just whoops your butt. For like yeah, randomness, I think maybe so that's all he. Th- maybe that's all he thinks he needs in this scenario. Why does he need to pull up the special powers be, against these guys? Um, because the, uh, the new fifty-two, though. Stadium? Some of this has to be part of the new fifty-two. I mean, granted, they weren't given enough time to start a series, let alone plot things out beyond this. I mean, oh, it's true. Seven, I'm not. I'm not. I'm he's not. had what three issues now with Invictus. I mean, how much more could you build up the guy? He did have that great scene where he's rising out of the sun yeah but it uh, that's a thing it's like three issues in that you throw this guy at you know at the at the team technically you don't you don't really need to do it. i mean if he's supposed to be such a big deal character you could you could have hold you could have held him back 
he could have literally held him back. Like you could have, you could have done anything else just to prop him up, just to make him seem more mysterious and more than what he is. So this is this is more of a, a third arc than a second arc for you. Right. This culmination of everything you've been. Doing. Okay, I can see that. I can it, see that. It's just it just feels like it, it feels too rushed. In my, in my case, it just feels too rushed to, to me. I mean, most of, the, most of this just feels like it, it, it should feel more important than what it is. I mean, and, and, I, and, I, and I, I say that, you know, he, he, you know he, can, he can write better than this. I know he can. I know he's capable of doing it. It's just, he, it, it just, he just has the time constraint. He, he just didn't, did not have enough time to, like, you know, actually plot it out. I mean, he had an idea. He knows he knows where it's going, but just doesn't have the time in the in, you know in the between to write everything. So pretty much everything that he knows where it's where it's happening, where it's going, he's he's writing he's writing shortcuts because he already he already knows where eventually he's going to lead to. He just doesn't, he just doesn't know how to plot it in, in a in a more crafty way. It also doesn't help that his character's randomly stripped from his book at complete random. This is true. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he's, he's got two more he's got two more instances of that with a uh, with a uh, Acrylo and Monk. Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's true. Um, you know, having having um, Lee's like disappear for you know for the two issues and then come back fully, you know, with full cognizance of her, of her surroundings again. It's 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 you know it's weak only for the fact that, again she's in Red Lanterns and she has to you know it has to be done because she's now you know a genius in in that book. I have to leave. I'm back. But it, you know that doesn't. Generally, I mean, generally he doesn't. He didn't need to do it. I mean, I mean, to, if he wants to keep the flow, if all these books are leading to one, you know, one, uh, one instance where they're tied together, like you know, if there's a crossover between Red Lanterns and New Guardians, then that that makes sense. But if this story has nothing to do with what's going to happen in Red Lanterns later, it could have been. It, he could have kept Blees as she was for the for this whole point for the full. For the full run of his arc, of this arc, and then later on, the next following arc, she could have cognizance going like it happened in Red Lanterns. Well, then that's the problem. What is he going to do? Is he just going to say like, uh, "Oh, we completed this arc, and then uh, this next issue, it's three months later, and half our characters disappeared and came back for no apparent reason"? It, it, there's no, it's not no apparent reason. It's like an arc finish, time passed. There's a new arc. It's not. It's not like you know. Two minutes pass after the you know after they defeat the bad guy, and the next issue is two minutes later. <laughs> Sometimes it is. Sometimes, depending on how depending on who the writer is, depending on what you know how they how they want to commence their story. Well, it, it actually makes sense in this case though, because his arcs that we've seen thus far, they're all immediately following one another. It's just That's one thing immediately following another. Because you know he's he, not he, he's not given the time to actually create his own story. He's, he, he, he's being told to write to pretty much write the in between stories of what's happening in core. Or what's happening in Greenland and proper? It's, and the, the problem, the problem that ends up being is that he already he seems he already at least planned his arcs to immediately follow one another, so he doesn't have any downtime to have this happen off screen. But again, it's not it's not the way that he's planning his arc; it's the way that he's being told to plan his arcs. That's at least some of it, yes. Right. Anyway, that's 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 my my single gripe about this about the issue itself. I just think it can be planned a lot better, a lot more cleverly than it is. But aside from that, it's it's not bad. It's it has it has its clear purpose and knows where it's going. It just doesn't. It just could have got there a lot smoother. Basically, if if he, it would be a lot better, even if just that people stop pulling his characters away for five minutes and let him know oh. the story. 
I'm not. I'm not saying that either. I'm just mainly because a, a writer himself is capable of doing whatever he can. With, yes, you know, yes, what yes I, I'm, I'm. Yes, I'm just saying that it would help to have less interference in his creative process. Again, I've, we're going to move on to our, our review of the Green Lantern the animated series, uh, episode three, following the uh, of a great pilot episode that happened uh, back in 2011. Uh, episode three. What was the? Uh, am I remember the name offhand? Razor's Edge. Got it. Razor's Edge. All right, so Can we figure out a different way to pronounce Razor? Because um, I hate doing this kind of, I don't know what it's called exactly, but this kind of idea of like changing one letter to make it like cool spelling, like, and it really just makes people not know how to spell Razor for the next six years, you know? Like, uh, there are, taking, uh, Razor. 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 Still calling it Razor. They, they, they call, call him Razor in the, in the episode. They say Razor in the episode, so we gotta, I'm just going to start calling him Razor. I guess, I guess poor literacy is cool. Razar. I'm going to call him Razar, like in uh, like in Ninja Turtles. Like what did Ninja I think Turtles. the other guy's name was in um, Red Lanterns? Oh, uh, Skrillex. <laughs> Skrillex. Skrillex. So I'm going to call him Rancor. Um, <laughs> it's a Rancor. Yeah. All right. That's, uh, let's go, let's go, <laughs> go back. Um, and so we're going to start a review of uh, the Greenland, the animated series, uh, episode three, Razier's Edge. Or... Does Eric have a better pronunciation for me? Or uh, Razor's. Razor's? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Rancor. Yeah, Rancor. I don't want to call it. Fuck it. Spell Razor with an O if you want to call him Razor. It's not so, like tricking anybody or being cool. Sorry. Rancor is that. Even though he's actually named Razor in the episode. Um, this, of course, follows the, uh, the uh, two-part season premiere of uh, Green Lantern, uh, Beware My Power. Uh, now, again, this, this, this episode itself takes place a little bit right after, right where uh, Raz- Rancor is... Uh, Held captive inside the interceptor and rewatching the events of the uh, planet that he caused to, you know, blow up into tiny little chunks of space matter, and uh, is relieving the moment uh, to, you know, feel uh, pain, feel uh, remorse, feel guilt of what he's done, and of course, Kilowog is n- not letting him uh, uh, off the hook. Totally telling him that, you know, he, he's uh, he, if he feels proud of himself uh, uh, for the moments. That he did, and uh, how Jordan tried to be the nice guy and trying to try to figure tr- figure out what to do with him. Of course, we'll see the Guardians once again in the uh, this issue, uh, this this episode. Um, and also, we we also get to see the Spider Guild, which is uh, the uh, Burnley, uh the runners of a prison guild in uh, this in the sector of space in the frontier land. And of course, one, the one of the great things is that the uh, the warden of the uh, of the prison is actually voiced by uh, Freddy Krueger himself, Robert England. I want someone else to say it. I want someone. Ooh. I want someone to be there. You know, I didn't think there was, didn't seem like an opening to say anything there. I want someone to be like, "Oh yeah, Robert England is totally was voiced by Robert England." Nobody. I don't, it's not, I don't get excited about voices honestly too much anymore unless it's like Chris Maloney. That's true. Because I just like him. That's just my thing. Uh, anyway, of course the uh, the prison is. Torturing their, their their captives and causing the Green Lanterns to come back and to uh, investigate and also our first time we get to see the yellow element in the uh, the episode. Of course, there's no no one knows what it is yet. So apparently, the Green Lanterns themselves do not know about the yellow rings or their weakness to the yellow to the yellow element. So this uh, th- th- this just made me think of first flight with the with the crystal and all that. And of course. Uh, they're they're uh, they're 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 captured, aided by Raz- uh, Rancor's escape, thanks to Aya, who is apparently being able to turn herself into a disembodied energy form, which is cool. And uh, their systematic fighting of giant spiders. Now, 
honestly, this this episode was good. It's a good it's a good start after the uh, the two parter, where we get to see a little bit more of um, inside Rancor's mind into into his character, like diving right into like you know what made him into a Red Lantern, um, what made him into you know half rage in his heart. But of course, it, we still don't know as to why he hates Green Lanterns yet. That that hasn't been explained at all. We just know that there was a civil war or, or um, a civil war happening on this planet with uh, the overlords and uh, the fact that the, his people were settlers and wanted to uh, find a peaceful life, a peaceful life in the uh, the unknown zone, the uh, the, un- the the frontier zone, um, the forbidden zone, the forbidden zone. Let's um, go to the forbidden zone. Uh, outside of that, we also get a uh, we get to see more how this, this animation works with uh, more characters in the bunch. Uh, you know more characters on screen, uh, and also the the good designs with the with the Spider Guild, which I again I enjoy. Uh, outside of that, it was a great episode, a good a good solid good solid uh, part. I'm enjoying I'm enjoying see the uh, the buddy copness between Hal Jordan and uh, Kilowog, and even even Razor's uh, reluctance to uh, put on the ring again. Outside of that, uh, Brandon, what do you think of this episode? This episode? Uh... I think I enjoyed it more because this was right off the heels of the uh, Peter Tomasi science sale issue where they killed the Sinestro Corps. So I was really uh, hyped and excited for the um, the, sci- the prison that the spider Girl was running. And I thought that was a great parallel to see how the Green Lanterns reacted to holding, I mean, to the torture and ultimate uh, sealing, or I don't know what they were doing, with they eating them in some cases. Um, I thought it was a great parallel between that and the comics. And that was the only interesting part for me. Um, the talk between Kilowog and Razor, it got old really, really fast. Um, Hal Jordan seems like a funny guy. And the Aya thing is cool where she can leave the ship. It's mechanics make no sense to me, but neither does Will creating constructs um yeah there wasn't a lot to like in this issue for me um there were no spectacular constructs there was a lot of dark scenes where the only light was the green lanterns um but i do and i did enjoy the fact that uh razor stepped up to the plate and saved the day um and you know it was because of aya it was not you know how relying on Razor to come through in the end out of, you know, I have great judging character. It was just, hey, look, this guy happened to do the right thing, even though he's, you know, evil. So uh, that was a nice bit. But it wasn't a lot here for me to just say woo-woo over or anything. All right. Uh, Carlton, what do you think? Oh, I I thought it was a pretty good start to the series, or continuation, rather. It was interesting to see them uh, actually decide to team up with the Red Lantern because, you know, I wasn't expecting that they'd start uh, their own TV version of New Guardians, but it seems that it's the way that it's going to go at this rate, you know, for the previews we saw. But, uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it's a fine episode. I think it was pretty interesting. And like you mentioned, Robert England as, as the villain is always awesome because he has, like, one of the best villain voices. I mean, really evil, sadistic fucker. But... Really, really, just want to see a little bit more on how it goes. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the next ones, but uh, I did enjoy this episode. I thought it, it looked nice. It had a fairly decent plot, and we're starting to build up the characters, which is always, I think, an important aspect of any series. All right, uh, Eric, what do you think? I mean, I, I don't know. I guess it's kind of it was kind of dull, and I think 
it you know it sets up a central conflict and there's there was kind of two glaring holes that that are in it so i think it sets up the central conflict okay we don't trust razor even though he's on the ship or razier or rancor or whatever because he's on the ship um but then, you know, at the end, he kind of distinguishes himself pretty ha- pretty handily to the point where, you know, the rest of the show, every single time Kilowog is going to give him shit, it's going to be like, okay, how much more does this fucking guy have to do to prove himself to you and stuff? And plus, you know, we get the sense that he's really guilty about all the people he murdered. But for some reason, however long this takes place after the pilot, they didn't bother to tell him, oh, yeah, no one was killed. We saved everyone. Like, they just wanted him to kind oh, of stew in his own Oh, 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 were we supposed to tell you that? Yeah, oh, like, we're just going to let you feel bad about it. And it's like... Were they trying to make him feel guilty? Because it seems like he gets the information off handily. And why didn't he get pissed off at him? Why didn't you tell me I didn't murder anybody? Like, you know, oh, because we wanted you to feel bad. Like, is that is that is that really an effective form of whatever? Plus, it doesn't make any sense that there's a prisoner who escapes from the prison at the end, uh, at the beginning, who's actually a prisoner in the prison, presumably for doing something wrong, right? Who they give control of the prison at the end. Like, how does that make any sense? You know, like. Yeah. If it turns out the guys who run the prison are dicks, that's fine. Just get all the prisoners and bring them somewhere else, so you know, or, or or something. I mean, it's like that's it's it's pretty stupid. I think this suffers from the same problem that sort of the pilot did, and what I think the next couple of episodes are going to suffer from, and maybe hold the whole first season is that um, uh, ever since ever since the uh, um, uh, what's it called the uh, what the fuck is that show? Uh, ever since Justice League Justice League showed up. After Superman, when the first season of Justice League showed up, you know that where they fought the Martians in the first episode, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they have had a hard, hard time establishing what the show is the first ep- bunch of episodes. And this continued through Justice League. It sort of hit Justice League Unlimited, even though they kind of got under control by then. It went Legion of Superheroes was unwatchable in its first season, I thought. Um, then even, you know, well, even kind of Batman Beyond fell apart at the end, but that's, that's a different thing. You know, uh, Young Justice, same thing, like good jokes, but nothing really going on in that show for the first like six or seven episodes. So, I mean, even though it's different creative teams and everything, and this company has problem kind of like, has a problem kind of like, Going into these things, they should come up with a theory for how the show is told. I mean, it's an animated show. It takes months and months and months to make this happen. Why can't you guys spend a little bit more time on the scripts kind of hammering it out and making it worthwhile? But I think I want to touch on what Brandon said, but there wasn't really any memorable, memorable constructs. There seems to be a deliberate – and we're going to get into more, I guess, when we talk about the next couple of episodes. Um, but there seems to be a deliberate intention of – using the rings as little as possible. And I'm under the impression that, like, it's all CG anyway, right? Why don't we see some constructs and shit? But they, it's like, you know, they immediately lose control of the rings, and then we see Hal having a fist fight with these spider creatures and stuff. And it's like, okay, cool, but, like, am I, I'm not watching the show for that. I'm watching the show for Green Lantern and that kind of stuff. So it was kind of, like, you know, sort of dullish and stuff. But, um, I mean, it, you know, it, and it's, it's kind of like the Razor show. You know, I mean, not for nothing, this is the Razor show. You know, uh, the, the pilot was kind of more razor oriented. This is the first one after it's kind of establishing that razor is the main character. You know, and, and it's it's just like I said, too many holes, a little bit, not enough focus, not enough. It wasn't really entertaining. It's kind of dull. I mean, it seems it makes them seem like punks that a bunch of dudes with spears can take them out so quickly. And you know, it's just it wasn't that great. It was it was definitely bare bones storyline that again. And the razor might have a problem with it. Resolved the conflict with this character in this episode. Like anytime Kilowog gives him shit from now on, it's kind of like you're just being a dick. You know. Either way, well, to uh, to go into uh, what you said with the Justice League, uh, I believe this the show does have that same format that ha- it does have a, a rocky start in the beginning, but mainly because it's it's its first season, it's it's still trying to establish where it's going, where, what it's trying to you know what these characters are trying to be and what they're trying to do and who they're who they're trying to uh, become, um, and you know and they they fix that you know and Justice League fixed that later on in their later season, you know season two of Justice League of Justice League. The first, not even unlimited. They fixed most of their 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 glaring problems, 
you know, most of the stuff, most of the characters became, you know, you already knew what they were, what they were about, who they are, and what they, you know, uh, you know, what they stand for. Uh, here, this is, you know, even though they had a movie, even though they, you know, they, they, they featured in the, in Justice League and, you know, Static Shock and Superman, whatever. This is the first time Greenland has, has its own show. Like it's, it's own proper, you know, show by itself. And, uh, and for, to this to introduce them to new, like new, new, uh, watchers, new, uh, new, a new audience, there, this show is very much trying to teach you what they are about and not just the fact that they have powerful rings and that's, that's all they are. That's their identity. This is, you know, that's all they need to be the dudes with powerful rings making, you know, whatever the hell they want. This is more like, you know, that's why Hal Jordan very much like, you know, for three, like three episodes will literally tell you this is what Green Lantern is about. This is what they, they do and this is what we, we, uh, will always do. And, uh, and, and very much, and for very much, Aya is more of the, you know, of a central character and who, we as the uh, audience is supposed to identify with yeah, uh, and Razor. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's interesting, right? Because it's, it's a logical point to say, like, yeah, I mean, but I feel like since this is the first Green Lantern animated series, I feel like, well, I said it before, like, I like the idea that them being kind of lost out in space and I mean, work their way back and being isolated and not being able to get back up and stuff, because that's kind of a cool idea for a storyline. It does seem like a really weird idea for a show, and I think this episode kind of sort of demonstrates why, you know, because... As you said, it's like we're not really on an adventure with the Green Lanterns. We're, on an, we're on an, I'm sorry, we're not really watching the Green Lanterns adventure. We're kind of on an adventure with the Green Lanterns. It seems like this is an ensemble show where we're, you know, what I mean, like we're not really shown what the Green Lanterns can do. What's so special about them? It's like this big team show, and especially when like Aya starts getting involved more with the storylines and, and and Razor and stuff. It's sort of like it's not really Green Lantern. It's kind of like you know the Power Rangers or Galactic Peace Corps or something. You know? Well, well, with Aya, she eventually can become a Green Lantern. Wait, hold on. Look at look, 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 look at that. We'll, we'll get we'll get there in a second. We'll get there in a second. But just by this episode itself, I agree. I just think that's a kind of a problem. Like, why not make this show more about Green Lanterns being Green Lanterny? Which they get to. It's there's definitely they, they do get to that. And I'm and I'm gonna say that will more likely happen later on. These are the first core episodes where we're again yeah. teaching you what they're about. Well, that's what I mean. I mean so and, we... and, and again, bringing up like just like you know, Just League as as an example. Even Superman, for example, you know when they first started off, it's you're just learn, you're beginning to learn who they are, and later on it will start becoming more oriented into into you know Green Lantern goodness that we know, you know right. st- storylines that you know story we'll we'll get to see more storylines that we're familiar with, uh, and we'll get to see more of more characters and more Green Lanterns you know come in. Well, um, I agree, and I think that's fair. I just what I what I mean to say is I think the difference between Superman and the Justice League is that the Superman show. Is unique in amongst all the WB produced yeah. shows, except maybe the Legion of Superheroes show, because that sort of had Superboy come in and we learned about them just the same time Superboy was learning about them. It was the only show that actually established the character from the ground up. Like the first three or four episodes, whatever, were his origin, and then the next six episodes of that were just introducing concepts to the character. Like, hey, he can fly this fast. Hey, Kryptonite kills him. Hey, there's this guy left from his home planet. Hey, Lois Lane is hot. You know, like this kind of stuff that was, or she's smart and hot, or but it's like, you know, this is the kind of stuff they're establishing. Whereas in the Justice League show, I remember when it aired, the biggest problem everybody had was like, who the fuck is that chick with the hair and mace? And who the fuck is the Green Lantern? Like, people didn't know who these characters were, and the argument was like, you know, we don't need to establish origins because nobody likes origins, which is crazy because whatever, you know. But, like, but it's just one of those things where I feel like this is taking the opposite track, where it's kind of throwing us at the deep end, assuming we already know as much as we're going to know about much, them. Yeah, you know? much like Just League did. And, but again, it, it didn't hurt it. I mean, the first season, again, well, being as, as tough as it was to like, get through, through, the first ep- through the first couple of episodes, it didn't hurt the show. It just made us want to, want to know more about them. And we never really got origins for anybody. 
Well, no, except for uh, except for Hawker, which ends up being the best episode of like, yes. the whole show. But, yeah, yeah. So I mean, like Starcross. I mean, you know, and I think there's, I think, I think that did hurt the show in terms of quality because I think my, the biggest problem with that show, I think we can all agree, was that they had no idea how to balance the characters for the first season. You know, yes. uh, they just had Superman show up and get punched in the throat by yeah, the that, ocean, and that was that was their plan. That was their their entire. That was their well. That's what I mean. Thing. And I think they were like, well, we don't know what to do with Superman and Wonder Woman and Flash on the same team. We don't know how to make Flash and Green Lantern on the same level. We don't know how to make a team where Flash can move so fast and Batman can do anything. So they didn't. They didn't. You know, they didn't even bother. They would just. You know, an episode would start and like six of them would get taken out just to see what Green Lantern can do. You know, it was like – it was almost like – I don't know. Like I think they should have gone back and – because they showed how the team got formed. They should have gone back and done like a movie where they showed everybody, you know, where they came from and shit. It's characters like who we never seen before, Wonder Woman and shit. So. But I would have appreciated a bit more showing the Green Lanterns just being Green Lanterns because what we're getting is Star Trek Voyager. But to get to Star Trek Voyager, we really should have seen Star Trek and Star Trek Next Generation and Star Trek D Space Nine. You know what I mean? Hmm. Anyway. That's it, that's it we're and let's move on to uh, episode four, Into the Abyss, where we get more uh, more attention between Kilowog and Razor, and we also get to see uh, Green Lanterns doing green, what Green Lanterns do. They go out, and, you know, and save, you know, save a, 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 a spaceship in peril from a pinhole uh, black hole in the, in the middle of space. And don't forget, we, we've got to have Hal fly ship. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad you had to mention that. Um, but yeah. Yeah, we 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 get to see how fly ship for <laughs> for the first time after uh, you know uh, where my power. Yeah. yeah, I'll go. I'll just talk really really quick. Um, yeah, uh, I I liked it. It was okay. I thought it was um it was a little dull. I think it's hard to it's hard to do these kind of shows with, like basic beers doing crazy awesome stuff and not make it a little dull because when they're doing things like this, when you're just kind of saving a space barge, it could be really dramatic. But and there's nothing against the animation medium, but the traditional kind of action oriented American superhero animated medium, it's hard. It is it is really difficult to do these really dramatic episodes and stuff. Like even the Batman animated series, the couple of just like crime based episodes, like Appointment in Crime Alley and I Am the Night and stuff like that, are universal. Not universal, but they're like constantly criticized because of how kind of like hyperbolic they seem. So there's definitely some dull parts in this, but I kind of appreciated the idea of the story. As you said, they're kind of just they're doing the thing they're doing, you know. Um, and the tension was okay, and it was it was cool to see. I mean, there were certain sequences where they're actually getting sucked into the black hole, and there's a legitimate amount of suspense, and they try to use their rings, and they're sucked into the black hole and stuff like that. That said, there's some stupid parts in the episode. I mean. Razor being so arbitrarily racist, it's kind of like – like I said, I feel after the heel turn in the last – we, we saw him in the pilot. He was just kind of a jerk, but then he had a lot of guilt. And the last episode, we found out that he's like actually really, really hates himself, and he has legitimately good reasons for being so angry, and he was tricked into being this whole thing. And now it's like, no, he's a racist. Like he hates anything that's not born out of – like anything born out of eggs, he thinks it's disgusting, and it's like I, – I think, I think the point was more that he was trying to be more aggravant towards uh, Kilowog. Well, I think, I think that was a coincidence, and I think the line obviously is so obvious. You know, as soon as he says it, you're like, Kilowog's going to say I was born from an egg, and he's going to say exactly and stuff. But I think point in fact is he does make it say anything that's born from an egg is vermin and garbage and stuff. He could just have said something differently, but we're getting that attitude and think because they're trying to show, no, no, Razor's not a good guy like we thought last episode. You know, he's he's a bad guy. But I do want to say that as much as, again, Kilowog's obviously kind of an unforgiving prick, um, which is, you know, fine. They, you know, you can be an unforgiving prick, I guess. But it does seem kind of like, considering what Razor did in the last episode, to walk into the mess hall and just slam him in the shoulder. And how awkward is that if you leave two guys in the ship eating that tiny room and you bump into him and stuff, you know? And then he gets pissed when Razor talks back. He's like, how dare you pick a fight with me after I already picked a fight with you, you know? And there's some little things like, the episode starts with them pulling winches on this ship and they can't pull it, so they get in the ship to try to pilot it. And what they end up doing at the end is using their rings to push it anyway, right? So why don't they just, at the beginning of the episode, push it slightly with their rings in order to alleviate the stress to pull it out of the black hole and fly away? 
I mean, why is that not the first thing they think to do? Especially because Kilowog does that for about half the episode. And once it's already too late to pull it out, he's pulling it with his, you know, his just his ring and stuff. And there's that sequence where, actually, which is one of my favorite sequences, where uh, Razor and Hal are outside of the ship trying to crawl towards the next, like, I guess, um, event they can get in the place. And they're trying to use the rings. Huh? They just turn around and blast upwards. Yeah, it's like they're trying to grab it. They're trying to grab it with the rings, but the rings keep getting sucked down. And then Razor falls. Hal makes no effort to save him. It's like, oh no! <laughs> you know? And then uh, Razor uses the ring to blast. And you're like, why didn't you do that in the first place? Guys, fly! Like that's the whole point of your shit. You know, you shouldn't even need to blast down. Just put the extra thrusters in your feet. But whatever. I mean, that's, you, you know, I don't even mind the whole slingshotting around the black hole. That seemed kind of pointless because at that point, everything else already gotten wrong. You don't need to do another thing. But and I think there's no way Aya is it Aya? Is that pronounce her name? There's no way I could have used the robot bits to communicate to them. It's me. It's fucking Aya. You know, <laughs> like and how did Hal even know? But whatever. And I think I don't understand why Aya, besides the fact that it's conventional for women not to wear clothing, needs to be like half dressed. She's like, I'm, I'm taking this form as a human because most women don't wear clothes according to the comic book superheroes and stuff. So, but whatever. And oh, yeah, like, she, 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 she's reading comic books. Yeah, and now, like I said, once she once the robot joins the team, we have a team that's only half Green Lanterns in Green Lantern the animated series. But well, well, right. I, like, like, like like I was trying to imply, she she's kind of a Green Lantern. She's made a Green Lantern energy and all that. She can do Green Lanterny stuff. I mean, she hasn't, but she can. You know, and I think. Um, I think you know. One more thing, quick. Razor makes a point to say, like, oh, I actually don't have a a, a battery, so I can't, you know, um, charge my ring, and that's cool. But it's kind of like it's it's almost like a little too indeterminate. They could have they should have really established that he. Ha- I think they would have been better if they would have established he had a battery because I like the kind of ticking clock scenario thing. But since it's so indescript, it's like you know it's only going to not work when it's really dramatic, which you know it would anyway. But it's kind of a cheat to tell the audience like he literally says to the audience, "My ring's going to stop working when it's really dramatic, and I can't ever get it to work again." And that's a bit of a kind of that's a bit of a lampshade. You know, you don't really want to draw attention to the fact that you're going to do something really dramatic and then obvious. But what are you going to do? Um, than that uh, uh, it was fine. It was I, I said probably that I think it was my favorite of the of the series. He said it's kind of Green Lanterns doing Green Lanterns do. Um, I think a lot of the show is going to be them stopping and taking a dump or t- stopping and like oh my god I got to get involved in this you know crowd by combat here and rescue a prison there and like kind of really hurting itself in terms of what the story is supposed to be doing. They're supposed to be going one direction to get away or to get to something and they keep making these pit stops and stuff. But I think this is kind of the perfect example of it, like where they're like, oh, we can't stop because it's a little thing. And how's like, it's a little thing. We should do it anyway. And it ends up being a big thing. That's the kind of standard I want to see. Anyway, I like it. Sorry. All right. Let me go to Carlton before I go to Brandon. Carlton, what do you think? Well, I, well, I generally found the, the episode to be quite fine. There were a few things that bugged me. I mean, the whole uh, let's just run into the black hole and ricochet off kind of thing. It's like, yes, there is slingshotting on gravity, but you're not going to go fast enough even doing that to get out of a black hole. What they should have done in the first place was just every single one of them should have grabbed the ship, used the ship's engines plus their own ring power to just blast their way out. That would make sense. It would be logical. They didn't do it. Well, it is a cartoon and fantasy. Yes, but even cartoon fantasies have logic and rules and things to do that would make sense. Sometimes. It's, it's, it's like they went the most obstinate way they could possibly do it. Eric, well, bring up the spaceship. We just don't know anything about the way the spaceship works. Uh, it's a, a deep travel spaceship that's made by alien technology. It's kind of like antimatter in Star Trek. Star Trek created this thing called antimatter. They didn't create antimatter. Antimatter is a thing we know exists, but we don't know anything about it except for the fact that when it contacts matter, it's probably going to cause an explosive force. So Star Trek uses the argument that all their ships are powered on antimatter, which doesn't actually make any sense because you really couldn't harness it. But since 
there's a theory that one day we might be able to, and we don't know what it does. Star Trek totally cheats. And so you can't ever tell me how fast a Star Trek starship ship can go because it can go fast in the light. It can bend and fold. Uh, yeah, 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 yes. But the, the point is – with maximum thrust. But we don't know anything about the way the ship is structured. Uh, the, the point is even in that case, they could have used the ring for a much safer escape than just ramming your ship at it and hoping you can pull out. Well, I, I, I think I think the show makes a good point of establishing, unfortunately, how weak the rings are inherently. I mean, they don't use the constructs that much, and when they were using the constructs against a black hole, it wasn't really working. I think one like I said, one lantern was number no, three. If all three of them had grabbed on, created rocket boosters at the same time, I think they could have pulled it out. That's possible. Right at the start, I, I don't I, I don't disagree that. There was an they, 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 they didn't even need to attach it to the ship. They could have just all grabbed hold, rocketed right then and there, well, saved us 20 like, minutes. I kind of like the idea that they made a point to say, we can't pull it out. It's too heavy. We need to use the, the, the winches and stuff. And it seems like, well, don't they have Green Lantern rings? I like the idea of them saying the rings aren't that strong. They can't. One of them can't pull a spaceship, which is silly because then Arkillo just does it for like 20 minutes. And you're right. There, there's probably an easier way. But once it's that far into the black hole – you know, you're dealing with kind of bad science, but you're not dealing with impossible science. Like, we don't know anything. Like I said, the rings weren't working that close to the center of the black hole. Kilowog was kind of far up, and Hal's point was like, I could just try to slingshot around, which doesn't exactly make sense. But we don't know anything. Like I said, we don't know anything about how the ship's engine works, so I can't really fault it for having. It's science fiction. There's false gravity in the ships and shit. Like, you know, then how do we know that's not part of the propulsion? Yada 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 and stuff. It's 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 whatever. I don't, I don't care. Well, I, I know. I'm just trying to say that they could have done it a lot better than they actually did. Yeah, it's just the beginning. They would have shot the winches and all, and two of them, and Razor even would have pulled it, and it would have been fine. But instead, they just fucking ran around the ship like assholes the whole time. I, admittedly, it would have ruined the dramatic tension of the episode, but they could have just wrote something else after that. Did we not? We didn't even see what species, right? At the end of the episode, we never even saw what the little guys looked like or anything. Oh, yeah, we, we, we did. Saw. There were little eyeball creatures. Oh, little eyeballs. That's right. I completely forgot. Yep, yep. Okay. Very weird, and and then and then we got the uh, robotic uh, uh, star sapphire dressed uh, lantern. Aya, just put some fucking clothes on. I'm like, get a get a shirt on. Uh, apparently, uh, on OS computers. Yeah, apparently, OS computers just got the news that go-go pants were in, or hot pants were in in uh, America, like in the 70s or something. Yeah, hot pants and midriffs with an open chest are in. Yeah, yeah. It's not really an open chest. It's that is like 60s, uh, 70s clothing. She doesn't have cleavage because she's a robot projection, but it's kind of like there's really there's no reason for that. Like skin on exposed. And there's, there's, not, really... that? there's no skin. It's just green. Yeah, but again, you're taking, you're taking the tack that – you're taking the tack of in the context of that world. It doesn't really matter what she's wearing because – but the fact of the matter is it's not – it's not – you're looking at a fictional work created by people where some guy drew a picture of a woman in a bikini and said, all right, well, the green parts are, are fine because that's – the metal parts are metal parts, and then the green parts are her skin, and she looks like a girl wearing a bikini. The fact that she isn't actually a girl wearing a bikini doesn't really matter. She looks <laughs> yeah, like a girl wearing a bikini. You know, you know considering that Hal's been around this computer this whole time, I think he's just been uploading some weird stuff to her. Yeah, I mean there's a certain logic to the fact that the Star Sapphire is going to show up and they're going to be dressed just as ridiculously and stuff, but I don't know. It's kind of a kid show. That's a little sassy for a kid show. I don't mind kids shows trying to push the boundaries because that's usually when you get the really good kids shows and they try to push the boundaries. Why doesn't Razor have a midriff and stuff? That's true. All right, so Colton, you're uh, in last thoughts. Honestly, I, I think I think the series is fine. I mean, it it could be and probably will be better, but at least for the beginning, I think so far so good. All right, Brandon, it was all right. It was a little better than the Spider Guild episode. Um, I didn't have nearly as many problems with it as Colton did with the the black hole bit. Um I was more interested in um what was going on inside the ship. 
um, I thought the the uh, what they thought was spider babies or mutant babies hatching. I thought that was that added an extra uh, bit of drama to the series or to the episode. Um, and I liked the fact that it did. You know, I thought, oh, the eggs are evil. Ha ha ha! That's what you get for saving the eggs. You know, and then uh, turns out it wasn't them, and everything went on to be nice. I thought the, my biggest problem with it was. Uh, that the guy was just like, look, um, I'd rather not give a shit about this cargo. You know, I'd be perfectly fine zooming off in your spaceship and, you know, saying, like, cut my losses and stuff. Um, that just didn't sit right to me for him to be celebrating with them in the end. Like, hey, look, everything turned out fine. Um, but, yeah, it's another uh, not-so-great episode. It wasn't, like, the flaws that we mentioned throughout the last 20 minutes uh, were so big that it just disgusted me or turned me off and I'll never watch the series again. It was just, all right, you know, just not that thrilling of a uh, watch. You know, I could say that the DC Nation clips in between this and Young Justice were a little more entertaining. And uh, again, the Razor versus Kilowog uh, dialogue, is just, it's annoying at this point. Um, it's three episodes in, and I can't really take it. You know, four episodes in, and it's 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 not going anywhere. You know, I'm not getting another side of Kilowog, other than he is hatched from an egg. You know, that doesn't tell me much. I don't need to. You know, it's not revealing of any kind of character, or I don't know. Uh, people like to assume that Rachel's going to end up with Green Lantern at this point. I'm just assuming that. You know, there's no way in hell, you know, because God knows if he was a Green Lantern, then they'd have to put him in 60,000 separate sectors in between them. And because I wouldn't be able to take the dialogue between them, too. Uh, it's it's really frustrating to hear them speak like uh, there. One more flaw. Sorry to be that guy, but uh, the end of the episode, Kilowog's jetpack construct uh goes away he gets tumbling towards the black hole and then that's just because they didn't think of a way to save Killawar. they said oh yeah razor poke your head out and save his ass and it's just like oh yeah i'm right at this door that saved your fucking life and then he tells him hey i just saved your fucking life and he's like yeah thanks for that asshole and it's just like i hate this i really hate them too but uh how jordan is still charming um i like that he's a leader and even though that the evil babies didn't turn out to be evil babies he was just like look we're still gonna save the ones that didn't hatch and that's cool it's not the how jordan rereading comics no I thought that was really fun. Yeah, clearly not um it's a younger how jordan less bitter Maybe bitter. Um. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Well, to get to, to say my two cents about the episode, I really liked it. I, re- I I did. I actually liked the dynamic between Razor and Kilowog for the most part. I mean, especially seeing that you know little character growth between you know between the two of them by the end of the episode. I mean, beginning of the episode, they couldn't even stand each other, and now they're they're have an uneasy understanding of you know one another. Um. Yeah. I mean, this episode was, I mean, the benchmark for you know what. Kilowog and Razor were all about, you know, you know, distrusting one another. Kilowog said in his ways, if you know, if you're if you're red, you're bad. You know, you know, you're the enemy, you're the enemy. You know, and that's yeah, that, that was Kilowog's mindset always you know, even you know, early on in, in in the comic world. He knew you were a bad guy, you were a bad guy. 
there was no there was no if hands there was no gray area for him. There was just a, there was just you were you are my enemy. I'm gonna kick your ass. You know, someone told me to beat you. I'm gonna beat you. Um, and that's how that's what he was about. Uh, and you know, and how being you know again he's he's the human character. He's supposed to be the you know have the uh, you know in, in the infinite ways of you know of of the universe. Supposed to have the uh, you know the better understanding of what people should actually be like. Uh, is the one who's trying to, you know, make amends between them, trying to, you know, go like, you know, to have an uneasy truth. You know, he may be our bad guy, but he isn't as, you know, he isn't dead to the world as, you know, as all the other Red Lanterns. He's supposed to, you know, he's trying to crack him out of his shell. He's supposed to be, he's supposed to be the, I'm not going to be, I'm not, I'm not going to be attacked the first, you know, attack you first. And then, you know, to hell with the consequences. No, he's, he's supposed to be the compassionate one. He's supposed to you know, be the more understanding one. Was and, was this the sorry? Was this the Shake Fist episode? Yes, I love that. I, I saw it twice and I love that. Scene. But that's but that's the episode where we were just talking about. Yeah, yeah, I just like it. The rest <laughs> of it is crap, but okay. But that scene is funny. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, they have a colorful moment when he says shake hands and they shake fists at one another. And of course, how says that's wrong. Um, or not like that. Anyway, the whole, the whole, the only little bit that I gotta say that I, really, I, I couldn't really understand was, um, the robotic bits with Aya. I mean, it's cool that she mentions that, you know, do save power and have, uh, an easier way to, like, you know, maintain the ship and to, like, you know, save, save the ship, uh, to how, how it completely blows her off and doesn't really pay attention. Uh, until later when we actually go like, yeah, how was that you paying attention? Look at that. Um, is that how we understand what, how those bits got into the ship or when they got, they, when they were, uh, sent to the bottom of the ship and had to crawl up? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm, that, that doesn't make much sense. I mean, that's like the weird part about <laughs> that whole scenario is like, yo, they were at the bottom of the ship crawling up. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I get when, uh, the ship, you know, tumbled, you know, tumbled into the, into the, into the point of no, into the crush zone and they all fell down, but you really didn't see when, you know, when those things actually were there. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, the mystery of you learning that they were, you know, you learning from thinking that they were supposed to be the alien, t- you know, hatchlings to actually learning that they were Aya's body parts. It's, you know, it's, uh, you know, it was there for for that reason. Um, aside from that, you know, I, I still love the the, you know, the voice acting here. You know, Josh Keaton, Kevin Michael Richardson, uh, Wayne Knight did the voice of Captain Gor- uh, Gorge, whatever his name is. Oh, who you know, he's a, he's actually he's done a lot of stuff in the in, in Space in, Jam. He did Space Jam. He was the most tan tour in uh, in Tarzan. He was uh, he was in Torchwood, the new the new Torchwood series. Um, he's actually Jurassic Park. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's been around the block. Punisher but, Warzone, Newman. <laughs> no man. Yeah. Let's just see. I'm gonna go to Wikipedia because apparently that's what we're doing right now. We're just gonna say everything Wayne Knight's in. Hold on. Uh, Jurassic no, Park. You said no, it. No, 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 of course, no. Jurassic Park. But um, the Wanderers. The day after the sex o'clock news. Double negative. Dirty. Should I stop? Yes, you should stop. Dirty Dancing. Everybody's all American. Dead again. Anyway. JFK. Basic Instincts. And would you stop? Oh yeah, but it was Basic Instincts. Yeah, yeah, it was. Anyway, uh, again, I really like this this episode. This episode is actually really good. You know, again, shows character growth not of of how, but of the uh, the other members of the team it, themselves. Um, outside of that, uh, again, I I, I, I'm, I love the series. Uh, we're gonna move to uh, the fifth episode, which is just just uh, finish Eric Air Apparent, where Hal Jordan has to uh, fight for the hand of Princess. Yeah, Iolande, which is again, 
one of the characters from the, uh, the comic book series who now we get the proper pronunciation of. And we've even asked other writers and artists as to how to pronounce her name, and now we finally get it in the uh, anime series form. Yeah, I hate uh, the pronunciation. It's too. It's so obvious. It's like, <laughs> oh, name is Iolande. Like it's spelled. It should. It's <laughs> cool. Like it should Yolande or Iolande yeah, or something. It sounds like a waterfall. It should be. It should be. It should be Steve, just because of the way it's spelled. It's like. It sounds like it's dribbling. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and again, this is this is a uh, reimagining or retelling of the story that we got in Greenland Core between um you know uh, Guy Gardner and Kyle Rayner, and of course now we now we have. Uh, Hal Jordan, and Kilowog, and Razor, and uh, oh, 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 yes! Now we get the even though it's a kid show, we still get the murder, murder-filled version. <laughs> well, you know, it's not it's not the complete with a drastic war scene, but it's it, it does it, it does as well does well. Also, Wilfred Day does the voice of Ragnar, uh, Ragnar, uh, whatever his name is, Ragnar, uh, the the brother of Princess, uh, Princess Ireland or Queen Ireland, uh, and uh, we we get to see. Um, more, you know, uh, more interaction between other alien races in this, in this series. We'll get to see more of uh, how Greenland has handled the fact of when, uh, you know, dealing with a with a, a monarchy. Uh, new, they 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 go in guns blazing, and say, you know, screw politics. I'm just, if you're gonna fight for a hand, I'll fight for the hand, even though I'm not part of this planet. Uh, it's Hal Jordan. If he has a chance to get in with a woman, he's gonna take it. Apparently, which we get, we which we see works like nobody's business. Hal has a way with the ladies. Um, but yeah, this uh, this episode itself is not bad. I actually enjoyed it very much. You know, seeing even if even being a retelling of a of of a comic book arc, it's a, it does it does its job well. It does present you know what happened prior. We get to see you know almost identical uh, scenarios with Ragnar uh, being obsessed with Green Lanterns. Uh, it's you know without the whole you know shrine to them. Uh, we get to see uh, him you know. Well, really, desperately wanted to be like you know the the ruler and you know people knowing that he he, he, he to himself knowing that he is uh you know Lord apparent he is you know deserving of the right to be you know the strongest person here uh and when in fact he's a coward um is 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 a is a great uh, great scene and well, again Wolfred A uh, uh delivers his lines great I mean it's he's he's, he's always been uh. Such a uh, such an amazing voice actor, you know, every, even when uh, you know, with his Boy Meets World beginnings, but being the voice of Batman, of Terry McGinnis from Batman Beyond, and Kyle Rayner from uh, Green uh, Justice League Unlimited, um, so he's he's no stranger to the Green Lantern mythos. Uh, it's it's yeah, again, it's a really strong episode. I real I really I really liked it. Uh, even even to the part where uh, Prince Allen gets her ring and how she gets her ring. Uh, it's 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 a good episode. It's a really good episode. It's it's still Green Lantern's doing what they what they do. They you know stopping stopping a crime, you know, and um, even though they're going out to recruit for more members to like you know fight the Red Menace, but uh yeah, uh, communism. Uh, Brandon, what do you think of this episode? I really 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 enjoyed it. Um, I think it tackled a lot of the issues we had with the with the first two episodes the little hour-long thing we discussed back in november um as far as animation you know uh eric alluded to not alluded he said uh, that it just didn't seem finished you know, backgrounds were undone and, uh, this is such a drastic change from all of the backgrounds may not be you know people waving in the stands but you know 
we get these big wide scopes of a gladiator stadium when Hal Burton and Kilowatt are chasing the guy through the city. It's the same building over and over again. Beautiful buildings, you know, the shading is great. Um, we're not in a cave or in this deep dark ship anymore. We get the bright lights, we get Ayalande and her beautiful colors. It's, it's a, it looked great for the first time. It actually looked great. The constructs are still nowhere to be fucking found. Um, the only constructs used here are fucking claws. And both Kilowog and Hal used the same claw. Um, it had popped in my head when they, when, they, when they used the claw and it didn't fucking work. It reminded me of the scene from uh, one of the Three Ninjas movies where they're in the airport and the guy's got the baseball in his hand and he just launches it down the airport and bangs the guy in the back of the head with a baseball. And I'm like, if I was a Green Lantern, that'd be the first fucking thing I did. If a guy was 30 miles ahead of me, I'd launch something 30 miles ahead of me and not try to chase his ass with this tiny ass claw. It's like, it just made no sense for them to, Eric said it earlier that you know, you got this budget, use it. You know, you're already the, making an expensive show. The, the show is CG. It's not going to cost any too much more to add a few special special effects. Like, the coloring can't be that, you know, big of a deal to make it bright, you know. It's, I mean, even if you don't create a giant monster robot that would squish the bad guy in a second, you know, do something creative. A hook, a baseball bat, or what, no, a hammer. Like, that's not creative. That's not even fun. Like, even little kids would be like, oh, I can grab a bat, you know? I, I can beat up a guy in the liquor store with my bat. Like, that's not creative. Like, it, it just seemed that was the most disappointing thing here. But it was still a very solid episode. I like the transition, not the trans- translation uh, between this and the comic. It was fine. Um, I enjoyed how flirting... Um, it was very cute. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, 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 I had the opposite reaction. I didn't think this episode was very good at all. I think it kind of, it. I think the stuff you're hitting on is kind of worth the uh, stuff I had problems. With. I mean, I, I should just go on. Obviously, I think this episode was pretty sexist. I think it opens with Hal making a joke about, you know, uh, I got ready in three seconds. That's great. Women usually take such a long time to get ready, and then Hal, like you know, mercilessly flirts with the the queen. And that's fine to see. That There's a aspect. difference. That, that's Hal. It's a big difference between saying women usually take forever, and this is the first woman I've known that doesn't take so long. You know, it's actually you just you just there's no difference. It's the same sentence. Like yeah, you just just said the same thing twice. Actually, he just what he just said was uh, he appreciated any woman who can get dressed in under three seconds. Yeah, the implication being. Women take a long time to get ready. Well, it was it was less direct than you You know, it's not like how's me saying. Right, that's that's crazy. Come on, why would the joke? That's not a stereotype. All of a sudden, it's, it's a not joke. A it's definitely a joke on a joke sexism, thing. but uh, it's a sexist it's, joke. It's not a joke about it's the episode. The episode itself is about a, a princess who, or a queen rather, queen. Who, 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 which is a, it's a, de- a heavy deviation from the original story. Um, you know, I don't, the politics are never clear. Apparently, there's only about nine people on this planet because this dude goes to everyone on the planet. Is like, does anybody want to fight me? And the winner of the fight gets to be king of the planet. Not a single person on the planet wants to fight this guy. Like, he's the only guy on the planet who's even willing to try to do this. Plus, apparently, you can just go to the queen and say, I can beat up anybody. 
you have to have sex with me now. You know, like that's the way the planet works. And at the end, they all decide, you know what? That's just forget it. We don't need to do that anymore. She doesn't need. All of a sudden, she doesn't need to get married. Like completely. Uh, un- I, I, I think. It's, I think it's at that point that she could kick anyone else's anyone else's ass, anyways. But that's so. Then the implication at the beginning of the episode is that she's married. Well, here's here's the thing about that part and the implication. No, wait, hold, on, hold, hold on. God, Jesus. The implication that's going on in the, in the episode itself at that point, at that point of the story, is when she becomes Green Lantern, she has not become the fiercest warrior in the, in the planet. And, and the rules clearly say that whoever the fiercest warrior in the planet is can, can battle for the hand of the queen. Now, at no point, at no point, is there ever mentioned a point where the, the person who becomes king has to have sex with, with the queen. No point. He just becomes the ruler. The ruler. Oh, they, get, of, they get married. I don't think they get any... married. They become ruler. There are nothing in the in this. It becomes a political en- engagement of who rules the planet. Well, nothing about that. Nothing well, about it is about love or about that, having a sex or even that. courtship. Again, it's except just, except that except that the only thing we know about this culture is that it has ancient traditions and someone who is a queen or a king rules for the remainder of their lifetime and they don't have a choice about it because it's dynastic, right? Because yeah. Ilandi was the daughter of the former ruling couple. And the only other thing we know about the planet is that she can't marry by choice. She can only marry someone who's stronger than her. Like, she can only marry the fiercest warrior in the planet, which means that she would have to, at some point, have sex with the guy she's married to to make more dudes to run the planet. Like, it's, it's crazy to be like, well, they don't have to have sex just because they're married. It's like, it's a barbaric culture where... It was a- yes, but it's a different... It's an alien culture. It is an alien culture. Well, with, with, the, with the whole scenario and all, it all just comes down to, like, would, would she really have, would she really have, if, if, even if he did marry, does that mean he even has to stay? Because the whole implication was the Green Lantern that they were going to have her married to was just going to fly off anyways. Right. I think, the, like I said, I think the, they don't, at the end is confusing, too, because the idea of her being the fiercest warrior on the planet and now does not have to have a guy be the fiercest warrior on the planet. It doesn't negate the culture of the planet. I mean, she'd still have to marry the fiercest warrior on the planet. Like, I, they went... They didn't do it because it would have been grody, but like I thought they were going to go all the way and have the guy that was going to threaten the whole time to marry her against her will that concedes to her strength at the end. I thought it was going to be like, all right, I'll marry you now that you respect me and stuff. Because you see that a lot in this kind of story. This is a stereotypical story. So, plus, she has the ring for like the whole episode and doesn't wear it. They never tell you why. Like, it's, I mean, they never say like at any point is she like, why did you not put the ring on any other any given time? Because she doubted herself. When she gets attacked by the dude and gets dragged across the planet, that's a pretty good time to whip out the fucking ring. And she does it anyway. She just takes Hal Jordan to tell her to do it. You know? So even if I want to talk about the agency of women in this episode, I mean I don't even want to because it's one of those things where I'm sure going to get into a lot of arguments about how, oh, it's their culture and, oh, that's how she feels. And, oh, she had self-doubt except for the fact that we understand that there are two female characters in this episode, one of which is accredited because she gets dressed fast in a lot of heels and then has her head pushed down in the dirt while Razor kind of triumphs her backside. I mean like – you know, and they don't, she doesn't do anything in the episode anyway. But, um, but besides that, then the, the queen of the episode spends the whole episode – confused and distraught because she can't get out of a culture where she's going to have to marry the gigantic rapist. Then Hal comes along and is like, hey, you kind of like me. I'll fight for your rights and stuff like that. Doesn't. you know? Nothing gets resolved at the end, so she just has powers and flies off. Like, it doesn't resolve itself. And, and as Brandon said, they go out of their way again. It's like the hundredth time in the show. They go out of their way to take his ring away so they can't do Green Lantern stuff. You know? <laughs> Plus, as soon as Ragnar, like, the whole sequence where you think Kilowog's dead and he gets the ring, he's like, aha, I got the ring. And then Kilowog was like, no, I faked it. And then he's like, I faked it. And then he stands up and says, like, I faked it. And this is how I faked it. And the guy runs. And like, you could have spent all this time, you know, holding him down with your ring. Like, like, why are you standing like a jerk, letting all this shit happen? You know, it's just it's, allow me it's, to explain. It's, 
And it was a cliche. I mean, it was like the whole episode in and of itself. That's th- how old is the cliche of going to the planet and fighting the strongest guy to get the hand of the queen and stuff like that? It's just like uh, it was. So, and it was so. De- and it was like there's like uh, like I said, there's seven people on the planet that that, that Ragnar's like I'm going to keep killing Green Lantern to get the ring, and that's fine because that was a good hook in the first story. That was like the only hook that they kept from the first story. Um, which, and it was a cool hook, except that you know, again, it, it devolves at the end into nothingness. And who who doesn't think that Ragnar is going to show up with a red ring? Obviously, right at some point during the show, well, because maybe may, may another color. He makes a point to yell at the camera, like, "I'll get a ring at some point," and I'm so angry about this situation. He <laughs> <laughs> gets dragged off. In the original comic, he's just killed because he betrayed the queen and stuff like that, yeah. which is hilarious. The culture is, is is such a way that the biggest, strongest guy on the planet can run the planet if he wants, but they don't execute treasons, uh, tre- treasonous prisoners and stuff. But, so I had a problem with this episode from the ground up. Um, I, I, I wonder what the limits of this whole thing is culturally are because they they seem to have only a minimal problem allowing Hal and just that one guy's the only one complaining because he's in competition. I mean, does it matter who's the strongest person on the planet at the time? Any visitor? I mean, does it even matter if it's a guy? What if the strongest person on the planet's another woman? Is that okay? Yeah, what if Mongol shows up or Darkseid or something and just wants to take over the planet? You know, Remember, what if, strongest you know, warrior, strongest warrior. And why, why doesn't? Yeah, and, uh, you know, I don't know. And how come more people aren't like Ragnar and just poisoning each other if they want to run the planet? You know, <laughs> apparently, everyone on the planet is so doesn't care about what happens to the planet except for you know this one the group ruling of class. Why does this guy want to run the planet? So he keeps saying like, "I have to. I'm the best guy. To, we need to do." It's like, but you never tell me why it's so important. For it's to, to run fight. The planet. A, it's to fight against the Redliners, apparently, which is like the only the their only. Uh, Piece of bad news on that uh, going around in that universe. Going on that universe, yeah. But uh, the fun, the, the thing, the thing is again, and I gotta say, the only reason that, that world isn't really populated by a enormous amount of people is again the, the budget, budget constraints, and you have the ability no, to create a bunch of different more, more characters. I, that's fine. I mean, I'm talking about phys- visually. I'm talking about in the story because the story seems to imply that, like you know, um, Hal knew that Yolande was going to get the Iolande was going to get the ring because you know. She had such a good spirit, which is the best part of the whole episode because she says she – we don't know anything about this chick. She's had two words of dialogue with Hal where she made a joke about him not being able to ride a scooter. And then she's like, I don't think I'm brave or heroic or courageous or wise or wonderful. And he's like, I think you're all those things and more. Why? Like I know you're hitting on her, but – and that's – it is – somebody says that to you, you're going to respond like that. you know? But why do you legitimately think so? For me, she seems very weak-kneed, has no decision-making power whatsoever, and kind of has been weeping her way through life. You know? And the best part of the episode for me – the best part of the episode for me was when um, – the 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 bad guy um like tells Hal he's not a good he's not a real man because he falls off the scooter I'm like yeah that's right only real men ride scooters you know? like, <laughs> like you're not a real man so you can fucking ride that moped which is fine moped cool I don't mean to make fun of mopeds it just seems like you look like an idiot when you say that kind of stuff you know all right but, well, well okay Colton how, how, what what do you have to say for uh, for the rest of the issue uh, episode well. Uh, I, I I can understand the definitely I can understand the problems with the whole culture issue, but I did like the original issue this was based on, and I'm glad they did keep the uh, the crazy ass brother was trying to kill everyone part. Uh, I, I'm just I'm just I think this was just uh, not as good as the last episode, but it did have some good moments, and I think that in the long run I'm just more interested in seeing what happens next than exactly what happened in this particular episode. I, I think it would have been better at least episode would have had a little more meaning if at least she'd come along, you know, let the guy who wanted to run the planet just, you know, have his turn and while you fly off into space. Yeah, it seems like the whole episode was a mood point, right? Because they went there to get backup and they just left without even asking her. She's like, I gotta Well he she, did ask her. He, did, he yeah, totally she did, did ask her. Right, right. She, kinda, she she turned it down yeah. because she put the will the needs of her people ahead of the needs of the guardians. Right. But um the the funny the funny thing is a lot of yeah. people were expecting because at the at the the giant turnaround with Kofax was the you know the big the big bad guy the big apparent bad guy at the end who wasn't the bad guy at the end 
uh, turns out, well, I will pledge my eternal loyalty to you now. It's like, okay, so you did an about face, even though the previous Green Lantern said you were a dick and shouldn't trust you because you were scheming? Well, also, I think happen- if, if, if what you're saying is true, and I don't exactly remember, but if what you're saying is true, that their main force, source of antagonism was the fact that the Red Lanterns were on their way to their planet and ravaging their part of the universe, and that's what they're, they were getting all worked up about is why not – why wouldn't the Alande just go with them and be like, all right, well, what's the best offense? Like what's the best good defense, a good offense? You guys are going there to destroy the, the planet. Why don't I come help you? Why don't you use my entire planet to organize as a military force? But you know, again, the episode has no fucking logical follow-through, so why would they even bother to have that discussion? You know? Well, I think as far as uh, her brother – not her brother. The, what was his name again? Kofax. The big guy? Kofax. As far as he goes, pledging his allegiance, it was you know, the smartest move on his – his whole thing was that our Green Lantern, the guy who protects our sector is weak. He's old. He's incapable. I'm going to marry the princess because she's weak. I – you know, I'm the guy who needs to be in charge of – this plan is defense. And by the end of the episode, he sees, okay, if she's worthy of a Green Lantern ring, maybe she's not as weak as I thought. I don't, like, he's still not clouded by, he's not against Green Lanterns. He respects the core. He just didn't respect that. The uh, wearer. Yeah, he just didn't respect that guy, that first ring bearer. Now he's like, okay, uh, she can do it. If she's worthy of the Green Lantern ring, clearly she's about her business. She's gonna handle our, handle this to the best of her ability and hopefully that'll be enough you have my support Go ahead. i guess i guess that wraps up the reviews for the for the last three three episodes of the green line core the anime series a lot again a lot mixed reviews we enjoy it we uh find this it, it could be better and we flat out didn't like the last episode for a lot of glaring reasons but um it's still an interesting show. Still, still, you know, still on, and we're still gonna be watching, you know, for every, every week because again, we're not a podcast, but also because we enjoy to to know what the hell is gonna happen in the next the next episode. Yes, we're definitely not cursed eternally to watch crap. Uh, yeah. Just make sure to emphasize that. Mm. Well, that's that's it, everybody. Uh, everybody, say a uh, uh, piece about seeing you next time. Uh, a, piece, a piece about seeing you next time. Later, Gators. Brandon. Something special. Stay green. Be sure to check us out at www.thegreenlanterncore.com. You can also email us at contact at thegreenlanterncore.com. You can follow us on Twitter at the GL Core. And be sure to check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash GL Spotlight. You can reach our voicemail line at 313-GL1-2814. That's 313-451-2814. Two eight one four. Thanks for listening and check us out next time and please stop masturbating when I'm talking to you. Be sure to check out Kirby Crackle, performers of our opening theme ring capacity at www.kirbycracklemusic.com. Also check out the Roy Clark Method, performers of our ending theme sector 2814 at freeweb.com slash Roy Clark Method. magic green it is the color green it can do anything sometimes it speaks to me it says how what have you done with your life people around you keep dying use your will to right the wrong 
It is an alien culture. I'll wait till Eric comes back. The whole, oh, the whole you're gonna speak. Swear to God, I'm gonna drop you. <laughs>